What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar. Huge announcement. Our brand new partners of Bloke in a Bar, Shoe Grab, have come on board. I'll talk about it more in the episode, but I just want to say a massive thank you to the legends at Shoe Grab for coming on board. I'm super excited about this partnership, and there are going to be a plenty of plenty of giveaways for the Bloke community. Also, a massive thank you to everyone that came to Beers food and footy festival it was an absolute hit for us thank you so much it's always so humbling to see how much people love bloke beer but as usual let's get straight into it baby just a bloke in a bar what is up ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of bloke in a bar and i've got an incredible announcement something that makes me so happy we've got a brand new partner of blokes podcast Shoe Grab, that's right, Shoe Grab have jumped on board. They are now a partner of the Bloke in a Bar podcast. And I'm especially stoked about this because Shoe Grab is a company or a business that was started by a bloke just like me. 2013, he basically wanted to create a market where people needed exclusive uh, sneakers and he had the connections to get it done. So 2013, fast forward to today, and they've got huge store in Sydney. They opened a store in Melbourne. They are the number one uh, shoe distributor in the country. So if you love shoes, head to shoegrab.com.au. Uh, it is seriously unbelievable. On top of all that, they've also got clothes, you know, fitness clothes. They've got Josh Addo Cars brand in there as well. So you can also buy um, sportswear and urban wear. But on top of all of that, to celebrate Shoe Grab's new partnership, we have a brand new segment, Kicks of the Week. And I'm sure you can already Guess what it is? The best kick, the best kicking game of the week. We give you guys a code and you get discounts. So that that's the best partnership that I love is that you guys get something from it. So this week, Kicks of the Week, brought to you by Shoe Grab, our brand new partners, is Johnson. Sean Johnson with the field goal to get the win. Sorry, Timmy, had to break your heart, mate. Johnson is the code. Use code Johnson to get $30 off ASICS and Nike Performance sneakers plus there's a few uh, exclusive sneakers that have been thrown into the lot. Now, there's a link in the show description, or when you go to this website, just type in bloke in a bar, it'll bring up all the shoes that you get $30 off when you use code Johnson. Uh, massive thank you to the legends over at Shoe Grab. They're actually been a part of rugby league for quite a while. That's another reason why I'm really, really excited um, to partner with them because they love rugby league as much as we love rugby league. They, they used to, back in the day, they used to get a lot of the the big dog NRL players that wanted the exclusive sneakers that go to shoe grab and get it done. But now they're actually a, a major sponsor of the Bulldogs. Um, and it's actually where I first saw them. 2021, they started. So as I said, guys, these guys are homegrown. They love rugby league. And now they're a part of the biggest sports part podcast in the country. Uh, and basically their, their goal is uh, moving forward. They're positioned as Australia's largest sneaker marketplace whilst developing new platforms to safely facilitate the sourcing of sneakers at the best possible value in Australia. And uh, yeah, they, uh, if you need kicks, they are the place to go. Shoe grab, homegrown, love rugby league. Tell me something, that you can't get better. You can't get better. And it really uh, is reflective of whereabout here at Bloke. Homegrown, we, rug we love rugby league. Uh, so use code Johnson for uh, all um, ASIC and Nike performance sneakers, plus a few exclusive ones in. Kicker of the week, kicks of the week. He goes to Sean Johnson. We've got the great Timmy here. How you going, brother? Good mate, yeah, it took you all of uh, 45 seconds to bring up Sean Johnson on the podcast, about a minute earlier than I expected it to be, so mate, I woke up this morning to a standard this time of year, nine now up, ashes, 
and I went to get the I stayed out for as long as I could to see if there was going to be any play on didn't happen woke up to no day five highlights and I just went you beauty we've yeah, retained yeah, yeah. the urn yeah. so mate I, I'm in I'm in a good mood today because the Aussies have kept the ashes what I can't believe with all that, this is coming from a bloke that, look, obviously I love cricket and I play cricket all the time, but <laughs> if there is a world where I don't do that, I would still say the same thing. What the hell are they whinging about? Like they're talking about, like I saw literally one of their players say they were the better side. Tell me how that makes sense. If only there was a way to find out who the better side was. Yeah, it, it's unbelievable, Kempi. Like I just love how short their memories are. They... The same thing happened in the reverse way in 2013, cost us a potential Ashes win. Uh, and they weren't winching too much about the rain saving them there in the exact same situation. I believe last Ashes in Australia was at 4-0 and that saved them from a 5-0 whitewash. The rain did, I think it was the Sydney test from memory. And look, we won the first two tests, put ourselves in a position to, you know, we were comfortable, weren't we? Yep. Uh, if they're going to start pointing fingers and whinging about this and that and weather, or maybe they should look at the early declaration in the first test that cost them that one, or, you know, maybe batting for too long in the, the fourth test that cost them this one potentially. So at the end of the day, even on day four when there's a stack of rain, they had 70 overs to bowl at us. They, they took one wicket. So yep. they can whinge all they want. They didn't mind us, like... <laughs> step up and was going like got us 111 runs as well so kind of he turned up him yeah. and mitchy marsh batted for ages as i said they bowled and bowled and bowled at us took one wicket mm. what's ironic is an early declaration in the first test potentially cost them that one the fact that they didn't declare and batted on for days and days and days in the fourth test to score nearly 600 runs knowing that there was a ton of rain coming the next two days and they needed to win the test to mm. potentially win the series. Uh, and they kept batting and they declared too late as far as I'm concerned mm. and would have made a difference, potentially not, but mate, I couldn't care less, to didn't, be honest. Didn't Paddy Cummins declare early once and it actually worked in our favour and we got the win because of it? We've made plenty of good decisions and, yeah. and, and, and that's the thing. Obviously, look at the scores. They were the better side in this test. But at the same time, we had five wickets in, in hand. We got it back to about a 70-run deficit. So there was no guarantee that they were winning it regardless. Sure, they were better placed. But, you know, they've won four from four tosses. They've had a hell of a lot of things go their way as well. So they can win all they want. We've got the But end. also, like, you know, we, we were, you know, 70-run lead. Didn't we have a similar dominant position uh, when Bairstow got out last, last game? So it's not impossible for someone to come out and... Oh, there's no way that... The game was definitely like it was would have been very unlikely for us to to win, but, but like weren't, weren't England in the same position? Like it, that was very unlikely they could win. Bearso comes out and fucking kills it, and we start going, "Oh shit, we might be throwing this game away." Game two, I get. Oh yeah, I mean they they almost came back ahead from an impossible position. Yeah. So you're right. was that game two? Uh, game game two, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's what I'm saying is, is like they almost came back and yeah. beat us in an unwinnable position. So who's to say we couldn't have come back? Yeah, exactly, exactly right, exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, super weird. Like, even some of the comments of like, wasn't the coach that said like, you know, we didn't win on paper, but we like, I yeah, feel like it was we, a win. I felt yeah. like we, I felt like we won the game. Like, come on, mate. It's no, un like wow. The excuses flying out. Never heard anything like it. They played reckless cricket in that first two tests, <laughs> and they cost them. They early declarations like throwing their wickets away. They've only got themselves to blame. They've got all the luck, as you said, Timmy. They've won every toss so far. They've won every toss so far. And like on top come of on. it. They doctored these pitches to be yeah. absolute flat decks to, to suit Buzzball and their attacking brand of cricket. They're still down 2-1. Also, so. we've lost the highest off-spinning wicket-taker in Australian cricket history. Yeah. Like, we lost Lanthan Lyon. And it's at their home ground. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, what else do you want, yeah. bruh? 
Jesus. I cannot believe the way they've carried on. I, look, and I'd get it. Look, if it's a media, you don't, you don't, whatever. It's a media, stories. Yeah, yeah. It's all part of the game. We love it. It's entertaining. But when players are coming out and saying that, you're going, what? you're a professional athlete complaining about the rules that you've been playing for the last. Mm. Like, I would, the only person that's allowed to complain about that, complain about that, is a bloke that won a game because it was rained, like won a series because it was rained off, and said, no, I don't want the win. No, nah, we didn't win. You never hear them say that when they win. Oh, if she was on the other foot, they'd be they'd yeah. be celebrating as hard they as well. They can't unlock it's the first test in the history of cricket to be to be rained out. Oh, That's hell. how they won the they won the O five Ashes thanks to a draw. Like yeah. seriously, seriously, they got no idea. I mean, even with the Besto situation, they're sucking with that. Like, oh. and it's like, dude, the dude that got out has done that and said in a post match press conference yeah. or post game press conference. Basically, it's within the rules, so don't talk about it. Like just it just makes bizarre. it all all the sweeter, mate. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's almost a better way to win, just to go. Yeah, you know what? If we had just beaten you, then you had no whinging. But the fact we get no. to watch you pathetically whinge yeah. is even better. Yeah, they whinge and whinge and whinge. And as you said, you sit there and say that. Of course, we prefer to win this test and go up three-one after four <laughs> tests and win it that way. But little part of me is just like, you know what? The fact they had us on the ropes and then the rain came, I almost feel better about it. It just excites me. <laughs> That's a great uh, like bit of information I didn't know. The like, fact that they didn't declare mm. when they knew rain was coming. Yeah. It was forecast, been forecast all week that the last two days were going to be tons of um, wet weather. So it's like you almost got yourself to blame. Yeah. And, and that's where it comes into the fact that we were up 2-0. Well, it almost, in theory, it should have forced them into an early declaration in the fourth test, but they didn't do it. Well, we put ourselves in that position. We won the first two. Yeah. I was going to say, Glenn McGrath put it perfectly this morning. He was like, Australia had to draw this test. England had to win. Australia knew the, what the weather was, so Australia picked a team and played in a way where they it was safe and they knew they were going to get the draw. England had to win. And they played to win up until lunch where they should have had an aggressive declaration and they didn't. So we played to draw and we drew and we did everything right. They played to win and they they, they, they were reckless and they they probably wouldn't have won anyway. I was going to say, yeah. like, ironically, and look, it would have changed everything, you know, batting would have, everything would have changed in regards to like, you can't predict if something's changed in the past, you can't change like the what branches off after that. But by looking at it, if they had it declared early, by looking at the score right now, we would probably beat them. Because we're chasing 70. So if they declared early, they may have been only 20 ahead of us. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, oh, I don't know. I, can't, I, as, I don't even know cricket. <laughs> and it's ridiculous to me. It's ridiculous to me. Um, now let's get into accountability. Brought to you by the legends over at Sportsbet. Try July. It just gets better and better, doesn't it? Got to say, the girls really put oh, in a lot of effort yeah. into theirs. That was choreographed stuff. They put the blokes on notice, didn't they? Jeez Louise. I mean, they were doing like full-on choreographed three-minute-long plays. <laughs> the Eels limbo was all time. You know what would be hilarious? If someone literally did a play. Like a full-on <laughs> Shakespearean play for like three minutes. <laughs> it's like everyone's watching going, that would be the greatest tri-celebration of all time. Like you do a full like set. You're up, you're up by six with 20 to go and just, just run down the clock with a 20-minute Shakespearean play. <laughs> or like a mime play or something, and they're all like miming and shit, like fucking for ages. That would be good. So, oh look, I'm sure the television would be like, ah, oh, we've got ads to get to. Um, but, yeah, some of the girls' ones are fantastic. Um, I think there was a – was it like a Tongan traditional dance from Penetani? That was really good. Then there was – there was some photo ones. Obviously, uh, Broncos did that one the week before. But what other ones from the NRLW did you see? 
Uh, the oh. the Viking club was a good one. Yeah, the raid. Yeah, the raid. Was good. I, I, just, I just love the the first try of the Roosters game. Millie Boyle getting the ball slapped out of her oh, hand as she tried yeah, to do that one. Was great. And you see even her face a look of disgust. Yeah, <laughs> look of disgust. And they were their former teammates too, which yeah. makes it even better. Um, but yeah, my favourite though, best try celebration brought to you by Sportsbet. It's Brian Tor oh, and yeah. Liam Martin. Comfortably. Like, are you kidding me? The guts to do that. And only like Bizzard could get away with that because he's so cheeky. Whereas like if a random, uh, not a random, but a player without his reputation did, he'd be like, that's hectic. Whereas Bizzard doing it's like, yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> what was your uh, favourite of the weekend? I had listed down Bizzard and Liam Martin as well. Yeah. The, the Blades of Glory, oh, absolute mate. all time. So good. Where yeah. are you? Even though it absolutely destroys me to say this, I can't go past Reese Walsh. Yeah. The 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 backflip, but not only was it a backflip, he was like walking forward and did it as well. It was yeah. something I could never dream of doing in my yeah. life. It was so it was incredible. Athletic. He's so athletic. I loved it. You know, to top it all off, it was backflip into spew. Yeah. So like, <laughs> he shouldn't be doing any backflips. He can barely run, poor fella, and he's doing backflips because he just wants to entertain the crowd, and then spews a few times after. Have it. you ever been less surprised or something in your life? Like, Shock! Pretty boy Walsh can do a mad, like seamless backflip. <laughs> oh mate, so good, so good. Um, now let's get into accountability. Dragons <laughs> defeat Tigers. We all went Dragons. Warriors defeat Raiders. Myself, I went Warriors. Guru went Warriors. Maddie went Warriors. Timmy went Raiders. Bias pick, mate. Oh, just, just went with the heart. Now, I knew the Warriors were going to win. Here we go. Here's the pick of the week. <laughs> Broncos demolish the Rabbitohs. Absolutely demolish. I went Broncos, Guru Rabbitohs, Timo's Rab Timini Rabbitohs, Maddie Rabbitohs. Sucked in all of you dogs. Yeah. Just, you're only picked against Broncos because you hate me. That's the only reason. The, the, the trail news was the day. If trail players, oh, they win by 40. The excuses come out. <laughs> it's not like we weren't missing anyone. Yeah. Jeez Louise. Um, Roosters defeat the Titans. I went Roosters, Guru Titans, Timmy Roosters, Matty Roosters. Knights defeat the Storm. We all went Storm. Cowboys defeat the Eels. We all went Cowboys. Penrith defeat the Bulldogs. We all went Penrith. Manly defeated the Sharks. I went Manly. Everyone else Sharks. And this is where you said you weren't. You're a coward. This proves <laughs> that I'm not a coward. I'm strong, true, and pure. The only reason you tipped me is because we forced you into no, it. No, <laughs> that's just pure rugby league knowledge. That's what that is. Kempi. You were due. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and that, that just like absolutely nails it. I win and I just claw my way back to the front. Seriously, That is one of the great office person oh, tipping weeks I've ever seen. Upsets galore and oh. Kempi tips the card. Shock. Oh, fucking unbelievable. <laughs> That's one of the all-time tipping, like real <laughs> rugby league knowledge. Just in the fucking oh. dirt when it comes to the statistics, the way the game flows. That's what that tipping was like. So I claw my way back and actually, did you, how, how many did you lose? Did you come last? Uh, I can surely equal with Guru. So you got the, the, Raiders wrong? It was wrong? a tough week. The Raiders cost me. And you got the Sharkies wrong. Guru went Titans, so we Oh, and you got Broncos wrong. So yeah. I, did, I, I think I it went Denon, me, Timmy, Guru. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. Guru on the bottom. <laughs> um, Brought to you by Legends over at Sportsbet. If you're going to have a punt, you do it with Sportsbet. Check out their new multi-tracker. It is so freaking cool. So easy to use. And it's actually, it's fun. It's almost in a game in itself. Um, make sure to gamble responsibly, guys. You win some, but you lose more. Only bet what you can afford, guys. Just a bit of fun. Um, thanks to the Legends over at Sportsbet. Uh, Try July is just such a good month, honestly. It's so exciting to watch. Now, 
Also, Nine Now, stream live game, NRL games for free on Nine Now. Thursday night, we have Broncos hosting the Roosters at Gabba. Friday night, Storm vs. Seals at Marvel Stadium. And then Sunday, Titans vs. Cowboys on the Gold Coast. The biggest games and the best commentary for free. Get on, stream it now, anywhere, anytime. Guys, download the app if you haven't already. It's the best commentary, the biggest games. It's completely free. And seriously, there are not... I'll be the first one to say... I used to think there was a bunch of ads on the nine now and I'd be like, oh, sitting there for ages. There really isn't. There really isn't. You might, after a try, there might be an ad and that's it. There's, it's a great viewing experience. So give it a try. Nine now, or you can watch on your web browser, ninenow.com.au. I was throwing up um, last night, Kempi. <clears throat> I was tossing between the Ashes, mm. the World Championship Swimming. Yep. I'm a bit of a sport fiend. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, I, mean, I love my swimming as well. Me. Doesn't shock me. Ariane Titmus, shout out. One of the great wins last night. Uh, and the footy. Yeah. It was, it was popping off last night. And that's the thing. Like, that's like nine now. When that when it's on and you just got this absolute oh. glory of ashes. That, what was the um, other thing? And they've got all the NRLW games as well, live and free. But the ashes, yeah. So the ashes... Rugby league and obviously the NRLW, so good. I mean, what's good about even with the NRLW, you've got guys like Gus Gould and Joey commentating the NRLW. So good. Um, now let's get to team of the week. Whoa, she was a contentious one. Timmy nearly tried to fight me. That's weird. We nearly very, come to blows. Very strong connection to his picks. All right, at number one, I had drink water. Timmy had Teddy and Maddie is still unsure. We are torn with this one. So let us know in the comments section who you believe was the player of the round. I had drink water. Timmy had Teddy. Maddie had Blake Taff. <laughs> Maddie had Blake Taff. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Teddy, uh, outstanding. Like, really, really good. I'm showing that, you know, I cannot believe the yarns. Even, like, the yarns around upset that he didn't go to the game. It's like, oi, bruh, the whole reason for a week off is to get away from everything, reset your mind mentally. Like, if there is, seriously, there is not a single person in the NRL that deserved a break after an origin more than James Tedesco. Can you imagine the amount of media scrutiny around Teddy and his performances in the opening two games in club form and his club going poorly, how drained that poor bugger would have been? Far out. I would have done the same. I said, mate, you've earned it. Take the week off, freshen your head up, don't look at footy. We'll see you next week. Not and only that, not only that, he's got a pregnant wife as well who's probably been you know secondhand feeling the yeah. effects of all this so i think it was great for them to go away it was the right decision he came out and killed it justified it completely came out and killed it there's no like teddy's really good teddy wouldn't have helped them beat storm last week no. there's no way like that they were dominated pretty soundly um so yeah i just i don't get that and i, I just what frustrates me sometimes is how selective we are with you know, some people go on holiday, you never hear about it. Some people go on holiday and all of a sudden it's the biggest deal in the world. It's like, come on. If you're going to get outraged, get outraged at everyone that goes, has a break or whatever. Not just who you don't want, mm. you know, who you want to have a crack at. And Teddy has earned the right. And that's a crazy thing. We're not talking about just a week off from rugby league. He played Origin <laughs> yeah. on a Wednesday. So he got basically, he would have got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. Crazy holiday, bruh. Like, <laughs> yeah. fucking come on. Unbelievable. Four days off. Jesus. Um, all right. Team's like, uh, at two, To'o. Three, Stags. Four, Lomax. Five, Junior Tupo. Six, Dearden. Seven, Johnson. Few Warriors fans were not happy. And when I say a few, I mean hundreds <laughs> were not happy. I mean four million. <laughs> Look, 
I'll just explain it for you so you get my thought process. And I still believe it was the correct decision. Um, as, and obviously, correct decision is in, it's my opinion, bruh. <laughs> just chill. It's not the be all and all. But I understand. I love the passion from the Wiles fans. Um, the reason why Reynolds won it last week, and we all agreed Reynolds won it last week. It wasn't just me. It was, all, it was a bloody democracy. It's a democracy here, bloke. It's not a dictatorship. Um, we just felt... That, yeah, Johnson, incredible game against the Sharkies. Sharkies struggling. We knew they're not good against top eight sides. It was at home. Whereas Reynolds, he had seven of his starting team. And not just like, like these were key players. You know, Ricky, Carrigan, Haas, Flegler, Oates, Walsh, um, and I think one other player. And so to do that down at Belmore at Josh Reynolds' last game, uh, we just thought that that was pretty incredible. The fact that he could, you know, basically take a essentially nearly a reserve grade Broncos side down to Belmore and get the win. We just thought that was, and when you look at their stats, they're essentially exactly the same, except Reynolds has one more, a try and, and SJ doesn't. So that's why Reynolds got um, the number seven last week and we put Johnson on the bench. Um, but this, this week, the field goal sealed it for me. Like against the Raiders that are on top of the, like on top of them in regards to the ladder, on top of that, um, the Raiders have played well against top eight sides. So it's not like they're going against a side that we know doesn't do well. Uh, so yeah, seven, Johnson. Eight, Hargreaves. Nine, Croker. Ten, Adam Fenua Blake. Eleven, Egan Butcher. Twelve, Frizzell. Thirteen, Yo. Fourteen, Tedesco. Or Drinkwater. Fifteen, Fisher-Harris. Sixteen, Adam Elliott. Seventeen, Lachlan Fitzgibbon. Any uh, comments on the team there, mate? I like it. As I said, I was Team Teddy at fullback, and I also had Daly Cherry Evans at number seven. So this week, the, the Wiles fans can turn to me and abuse me. Sean Johnson was unbelievable. Mm. But I like. I thought Daly Cherry Evans won mainly that game on Sunday afternoon against mm. the Sharky side that they just blew him out of the park. He outwitted them mm. from woe to go. He was pulling the strings. His kicking game was great. You know, they put all these points on against the wind. I, I thought DC was terrific. Mm. Mate, no arguments with SJ. He was brilliant too. Yep. But I, I was would have had DC at seven. I mean, you know, you could have had Reynolds at seven. Like that's how good he was um, at the Broncos. Who, who would have you had? A, is there any comments on the team, Matty? Yeah, I... Whilst I don't disagree with any of the selections, I would have thrown in uh, Ponga at fullback maybe. Although I think Drinky and Teddy were like well ahead. So I'm not too upset with that one. But I, I thought... Reynolds would have been my halfback. I just, yeah, okay. yeah I, I think it was a, I think you're right. I think it was a bit of a three-way tie so this you're, week. You're a bit of a cuck. You like to watch your lover dominate with another team. Well, it's my ex-lover. <laughs> <laughs> Not over no, yet, okay. <laughs> Um Yeah, Renault was outstanding. Jeez, isn't it bizarre? We spoke about it off air, but DCE, old-ish, like relatively speaking to rugby league players. Reynolds, older. He's old for rugby league player. Yeah. SJ, older. I think the interesting about SJ though, I think he's only like 30. And so like, or 31. So you look at that now and you're like, well, compared to DCE, he's got four years left in him, five years left in him. Oh, he's 30, 32. 32. 32. So he's like, you know, that's still like, again, DCE and some, you know, Cam Smith and that, and even Cooper Cronk have kind of like, okay, maybe, maybe SJ has three years left in him. And if that is the case with the Warriors, like if he's playing as well as DCE is playing at that age, they, they should win a premiership, like, in the next three or four years. Um, anyway, yeah, team of the week done. But now on to Hungriest Player. Brought to you my menu log this week. Hungriest Player is... 
Katoni Staggs, unbelievable game from the big fella. Ripping and absolutely tearing. And look, I know there's going to be some jokes out there, guys, so just keep it to a... Just uh, just chill on the jokes, hey? Uh, <laughs> use code STAGS, S-T-A-G-G-S, to get free delivery when you spend $15 or more. We are now offering this to New Zealand after we've seen a few comments and questions raised. That is right. As a, I'm sending out a branch of goodwill for all the abuse I copped last week. <laughs> Guys. A I peace offering. A peace offering. I come in peace. Use code STAGS and you get... Fi- you get uh, Free delivery when you spend $15. Everyone spends more than $15 on menu log. Um, you get free delivery. So use S-T-A-G-G-S, Stags. Uh, so Katoni, he wins hungriest player. And as I said, I mean, order what you want on menu log is all. So I don't know if they have, I don't know if they have that, but just saying. <laughs> Mate, Stags is amazing. Outside of one missed tackle that I was like, oh, outside of that, he was so good. And I'm just loving the fact that you know, all of those, I guess, um, concerns we had with Staggs in regards to the direction of his career, we needed to see work from him. Just get in there and take mm. the amount of hit-ups he needs to take to support the team. And, geez, he delivered that on the weekend. My favourite thing about Tony Staggs was exactly that, Kempi. That missed tackle on Alex Johnston five minutes into the game, it was really poor. Mm. Like, it, in no world should he have got through anyone there, Alex Johnston. You know, Katoni, like a stinker. That just flicked a switch in him and he went full beast mode. He went, that is nowhere near, near good enough. And then yeah. he put on almost a perfect 75 minutes of rugby league. He, like, attack, defence, that whole edge battle in defence was amazing all night. But Katoni is brilliant. Brilliant. Two, two tries, <coughs> one try assist, 16 runs, 171 metres, nine tackle breaks, three line breaks, 19 tackles, only two misses. Like... I'm just so excited because before when Herbie Farmworth got signed, we were like, oh, they're going to lose so much metres with Herbie Farmworth. But since then, it's actually Staggs that has gone, okay, well, you know, next year we we won't have a metre here to centre. I'll do that. I can do that. And he's proving he can do that. Matter of fact, I think since then he's actually ran for more metres than Herbie. Um, Not to say Herbie's been poor at all, but it's more like he's shown us that we aren't going to lose as much as we may suspect even though Herbie's definitely still a loss. But, like, statistically speaking, it used to be Herbie Farmworth, 200 metres, Katoni Staggs, 60 metres. Whereas now it's Katoni Staggs, 170, 180, 200 metres. I just love to see. He's still got so long to go. And he's just – you can. what I love over the last, like, you know, 24 months is you've just seen him, like, round his game out. Like, all the little parts of it. Like, he wasn't really known defensively and then – he wasn't getting much ball, so he decided to impact games with his tough defence, and then now he's gotten more carries into his game. So, yeah, I think Stags was outstanding on the weekend. Yeah, the, the Blues are absolutely blessed with centres at the moment. They're, like, the depth is incredible, but like Katoni Stags will be wearing sky blue again before the end of his career. He, What I love about him is that there are a handful of players in the NRL, not a handful, there's more than a handful, but who lift for big games, but... Like there are players who will beat up on poor teams, and we, you know, um, what are you, flat track bullies. When the going's good, they you know they get their tails up and, and all is well. But Stags is like the opposite. That in easy games, he's kind of oh, we've got the win here. I don't need to do anything out of the ordinary. Mm. But in tough games, like a massive clash against the Bunnies, 
he gets up for them and he lifts and takes it upon himself to be the difference in games. Yep. Cameron Munster's the pin-up boy for that, yep. but Staggs isn't far off. Yeah. I mean, you go look back at the Remember when Talakai had those crazy games mm. and he came up against the Broncos and you could tell Staggs was, like, angry about it. You know, and I love that, you know, an outside back that almost picks out his opponent and says, you are not going to be better than me today. Whether it's in the ball running or in defence, I'm going to come for you. So the, so the Blues' centres come... Game one next year for everyone's hitting firing. Latrell Mitchell, Tom Trebojevic, Stephen Crichton, <coughs> Radman Best, Campbell Graham, Katoni Staggs. Mm. We have so many to pick from. Mate. Tungle. Tungle. Well. Unbelievable. Um, so use code Staggs. Get free delivery when you spend $15 or more. Uh, Bundy Mixer. What a great first opening round for the NRLW. Bundy and the NRL are back with the world's first mixed gender fantasy league where fantasy sports... Fans can pick their team from both the men's and the women's league. It's called the Bundy Mixer, where you pick three play NRL players and three NRLW players each week to score points for their on-field contributions, such as tries, tackles, and meters gained. With no salary cap and teams resetting each week, there are prizes to be won each game. Each game week, sorry. Meaning no matter how bad a game week you might have, might have had, your every chance to take out the top prize of $4,000. So how good is that? You could have a poor week one week, it resets the next week. You have an equal chance to take out the top prize of $4,000. That's brought to you by Bundy. So make sure, Bundy Mixer, thanks for the um, new partnership. And what a great uh, initiative, a great way to kind of introduce the core fans into, you know, the NRLW. Like if you're a super coach guy or a fantasy guy, or girl, and you want to, you know, you don't really, NRL is new, NRLW is new, so you don't really know who the good players are or whatever. This is a really good entry level to go, oh, okay, the, this, you know, fantasy points are really good here or not there. So really, really good uh, initiative. I love it. It's uh, Bundy Mixer. Um, and I think it's mixer.nrl.com. Uh, yeah, so it's mixer.nrl.com and the link will be in the show notes. And you can sign up. And each week you get, as we said, it resets. And then each week you get an equal crack at prizes again the next week. So really, really cool stuff. Now let's get on to, what do you got? Before we get into the games, mm. all the upsets on the weekend was so good for the competition. Mm. Remember we were sitting here and it's amazing. We say it quite often, but how quickly the rugby league landscape can change in terms of the ladder. Mm. And we were like, the bridge between, the gap between ninth and 10th mm. looked like it could separate very quickly and it could have been like nine teams vying for eight spots. Mm. A few upsets on the weekend, three points now from sixth place to 11th place. It was Sorry. such a great weekend for results for the sake of the game and, and the run home to finals. Well, it's just insane <coughs> to think Newcastle could make the eight. Mm. Like, and not just like, if they win every single game and don't drop any. Now, don't get me wrong, they need to re win a substantial amount, but that win for them, that's like season-defining. And also, we'll get to it, but it's exciting for them because it's like, look, boys, we can beat a top-tier side. If we can't take confidence out of that heading to the rest of the season, like outside of Penrith, who else is really so far out of reach they can't beat them? I mean, when they played the Broncos, it was like the last play nearly that, that got us the win. Um, and I think it was a controversial call as well. So, yeah, the Knights, really, really interesting. And you're and, right. And they've got a pretty decent run. Great run. Newcastle. So, yeah. Just Great quickly. run and yeah. a bye as well, I believe. So it's Canberra, Dolphins, Dogs again, South, Sharks, Dragons. Good run so home. No bye? No bye. No bye. And then on top of that, three points between 6th and 11th. I know this gap's getting a little bigger. Mm. 
Like there's six points, three games from third to thirteenth. Like oh, there's what six rounds left. Yeah. Team wants to go on a run, can be done. Well, from a long way down. Absolutely, absolutely. Look at the Roosters, for example, who finally showed a bit of form after a pretty lacklustre season. Like they're they're two points out of the eight now. That's just they're they're right. six points out of the four, but like. It's there for sides to, to go and run. Oh, mate. Outside the eight. One win outside mm. the eight. It's such a crazy year of rugby league to think that a, teams like Knights, Seagulls, Roosters, I mean, Dolphins are one win outside the eight. Yeah. <laughs> Dolphins. Like, the Roosters, Seagulls, Knights, you would have said, bad year, disappointing. It's like, is it though? Like, obviously, Roosters, yeah, because they were supposed to win it. But Knights, I look. I know that they've um, they haven't set the world alight, but definitely not the disappointing year that we all thought it would be. You know, a couple rounds in. Definitely. Um, yeah, really, really interesting looking at this uh, this ladder far out. To think that the eels and rabbitos could miss the eight. <laughs> that is wild. That is wild. Like eels and rabbitos. If you had the, the start of the year, had them in the top four. Like put it this way: rabbitos, eels, and roosters could have made up someone's top four. Easily. Easily. So it could have been Panthers, Rabbitohs, Eels, Roosters, and everyone would be like, yeah, that looks like a... Well, we're heading into round 22 this week. I'm pretty sure the Rabbitohs were premiership, minor premiership favourites in round 10. Wow. Now they're not even in the top And eight. I looked at you looked at their draw and you're going, mate, they've got through the hard bit. Mm. That's, it's set up for them to win a minor premiership. Now you look at it and you go, buddy, the Warriors could win the minor premiership um, if they go on a crazy run. I'm saying that I don't see Panthers dropping that many games. Um but yeah, just crazy how the year has turned out. What a what a crazy year of rugby league where you just you just can't pick it. Like I did not think the Knights could beat the Storm. Like I tr- I honestly thought it was going to be quite a substantial score for the Storm. But they they almost outstormed the Storm. Like they were grittier, they wanted it more. Mm. Anyway, we'll get to it when the thing goes, but what a great year of rugby league. <clears throat> now time for sports bet superstats. Tackles. Corey Horsburgh had 60 tackles on the weekend. Meters. Brian Toto, 251 meters. Line breaks. Junior Tupo of the Tigers, four line breaks. Try assists. Loi and Gutho had three tackle breaks. Will Pensini had 11 tackle breaks. Uh, there are your sports bet superstats. And geez, Corey, the big red. The red dog. So he had 60 tackles in 70 minutes. Jeez Louise, he was seeing red, the big fella. <laughs> he hated being behind. He was, he was angry. Oh, man. We love him when he's angry. Brian Toto, oh, 251 metres. Jesus. Junior Tupo, oh, man. If he can just, like, get that consistent, he'll be one of the best wingers of the comp. Um, anyway, that's Sportsbet Superstats. Now let's get into the games. Dragons defeat the Tigers, 18-14. Um, kind of already spoken about this on Packer Up, boys. Uh, so if you want, a, I guess, a longer chat, uh, we can you go back and check that out. But, um, look, it's hard to take much away from this because they're both at the bottom of the table. You know, they probably that's probably the score that you would assign to them before the game in regards to where they both stay, lay um, in regards to the lay of the land of the NRL ladder. Uh, look, I thought Lomax was outstanding again. And, <clears throat> again, as I said, we've spoken about it a bit on um, the Packer Up Boys on Friday. But I just think with Lomax... I just think you've got to get him at fullback. I really do. And I think Sloan, he just needs some more time to work on his game, whether it's on the wing, um, you know, and move Fainai into the centres if he can defend there. Because 
I just think that Sloan needs a bit of time to round out his game. We all know he can do all the incredible stuff, but you know we need to get to a point where he's taking 20 hit-ups, mm. where he's doing the defence. Um, and look, I said, as I said uh, on Friday, this is coming from a place of like, I want Sloan to be the best he can be. Because he, he seems like a really good kid. He has all the potential to be a top-tier fullback, not just like a, a run-of-the-mill fullback. I believe at his best, he can be up there in the top five fullbacks at his best, you know, when he hits his peak in his career. Um, but I just think at the moment, he's, he's allowing too many of his big plays to kind of make up for the deficiencies in his games. Whereas you put him on the wing, you can't really afford to just let that happen. You need to get through work in today's day and age. So... That's why I think you need to move Lomax to the back. He's proven that he can get through a bunch of work. I've been shocked at his match fitness. But also, give time for Sloan to get through, to learn his game, to round out his game. And then we all know Lomax can play centre and get through a bunch of work. He's proven it last two games. But at the, at the very least, you get Lomax at fullback. He gets his hands on the ball way more and he can, he can uh, impact the game more. Um, so that's what I kind of took out of that game. Really interesting news though, Sullivan reportedly told that he can find somewhere else. What, what do you think about the game? Then we'll get to Sullivan. Yeah, I mean, not the most exciting game of all time. Jaden's got the job done. On Tyrell Sloan, I think we spoke about earlier in the season, as you said, about those effort areas. And I think we said probably maybe six to eight weeks ago, because of his exhilarating speed, he just needs to get himself in and around the ball and good things will come. Mm. And I think he's improving on those effort areas. Like he's trying and there was evidence by, I think it was the first try of the game, you got an offload off, uh, was it, I can't even remember, I felt mm. so long ago now, Thursday. Um, but it was, great. it was just support playing, got one, screened through. Off, um, Amon, flick past Amon, side. scored yep. a try. And I'm like, all right, cool, put yourself around the ball, these things will happen. Mm. Just so many rough edges, isn't there? Like, there, there's a potential, there's generally a potential superstar in him, mm. if he can round out these rough edges. Whether he can or can't, time will tell, but... Mm. He's so early in his development that there's no reason what, why not. Well, like Sloan, he had 12 runs. Lomax had 30. 30? Yeah. Lomax to fullback's an interesting one that I hadn't really considered. The, the Dragons tried it for a period they a few tried it for years one ago. Game. Yeah, I was going to say it didn't last long at all. One game. He got one opportunity to do it. And he's you know, probably the most – not probably. He's the most talented player in that team, mm. ab- ability-wise. Yeah. If they get him to fullback, we know, like we know he can pass. We know he's a strong <coughs> ball runner. Good under the high ball. Yeah, outstanding under the high ball. Yep. I feel like his positioning back there will be decent. At this point in the season where they're not going to make the top eight, it's worth a try, isn't it? I think it's worth a try. And if it doesn't work, sweet, back to centre next year. Yep. But give it a crack because if it does come off, it can change the shape of this side entirely. Yeah. Also, that was, it was two coaches ago too. It wasn't even Hook. It was McGregor that put him at fullback. So yeah, I think it's one, definitely time for one, one game. game in twenty twenty. He started the season with it. Was it was an off season plan? It was. It was, game it was round one against the Tigers. Yeah. He, I he, I think he dropped a couple of balls. He didn't play like shockingly, but yeah, he was on the wing the next game. But like I, I look at this side and I go, you know, you can put. I think you can put Sloan on the wing. You're not going to make the eight. You're not going to win the spoon most likely. You put Sloan on the wing. You move Fainai into the centres because they've already tried Fainai in the centres, haven't they? Or was that? Yeah, they moved him. And I, look, he had a, a pretty poor game, but mm. I think that's a mixture of, you know, the inside men being inexperienced. Like his numbers are fullback numbers here. So it's like, thirty runs is absurd. Yeah, thirty runs, two hundred twenty-four meters, five tackle breaks, eighty post contact, 
a line break assist, that incredible offload, 21 tackles, um, one try, one try assist. How how like bittersweet was that try assist with one of the most it was one of the most freakiest try assists I've ever seen. Oh mate, he like did a pirouette, flicked out the back, and he just went that is rugby league oh. brilliance. But at the same time, I was like. Uh, this is going to lead to 10 other shit passes that go over the sideline because he's going to get his tail up off the back of it. It's now a case of... But oh, he's mate. earning the right. That's the thing that we've, we spoke about. Yeah, yeah. He had 30 runs. So it's like you... We, and we said it from the get-go with Lomax. If you have 30 runs, those moments will come. Yeah. They'll, they'll arrive and you'll just instinctually make the right call. Yeah, see, now the challenge is we don't want to see him come back out this weekend and throw yeah. two over the sideline yeah. just for miracle balls. Yeah. He said earn the right. Which, you're right, he's done. He's done. And I, that's why I just think, mate, put him at fullback for the rest of the season, get Sloan on the edge and just go Sloan. I need 15 minimum carries a game to 20. And it'll just give, it'll give Sloan it'll just make him a better player. Mm. Because that's what Wayne usually does with um, guys. You know, for example, I reckon if Wayne was the coach, he would have blooded him on the wing first and put an older guy at fullback and just, just got those reps into him. Because Wayne does it all the time. We look at Roger Tuovasacek. I know they had Minicello at the fullback, but Roger came through on the wing. Um, a, lot of, a lot of good fullbacks. Uh, I'm pretty sure Billy Slater debuted on the wing. Mm. Usually that's the process, rather than just like straight into fullback. Um, Billy was saying, like, I mean... Not shocking news to anyone, but just in the commentary last night, he, his debut was at Shark Park on the wing. They were down like 20 nil or 24 nil at half time. Oh. Came back and won the game. Of course they did. Of course they did. <laughs> of course they did, Bill. Bill. Yeah, God forbid there'd be a blight on, uh, oh. on Billy Slater's resume. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Um, and so, like, I think that Sloan should almost look to Lomax and go, we saw that incredible play from Lomax, but it came off the back of two weeks of heaps of carries. The same thing, if, if Sloan has 20 carries a game, he's almost, because he's so talented, he's guaranteed a try. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's yeah, guaranteed. It'll happen. it'll happen. It will happen. But, you know, 12, you know, 12 carries for 89 metres, and, you know, there was a couple of, there was the, he got sent the bin for that, you know, really poor decision to hold on. Two um, errors, penalty conceded, went to the bin. You know, inside ball he dropped. And as I said, this is coming from a place of I like Sloan and I want the best for Sloan. Um, but he's not, in, he's not in the space of because he's so physically gifted, he's just going to get contracts for the rest of his life. So there will come a time if this, you know, continues to happen where he'll struggle to get a club. Um, and he's way too talented for that. Yeah. Way too talented. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope he can sort it out. I think that Flanagan will be perfect for him. Again, I think that you have to look at all these young guys at the Dragons and you do, as a Dragons fan, have to go, yep, for sure, they take responsibility for how they play, but they have not been in a good environment the last few years. To, I mean, most of them wanted to leave a couple of years ago. I think Flano will get them into shape real quick. For example, we'll get on to the Bud Sullivan news now. It's such a tough call because if he is getting told that he can look elsewhere... It's sending the message that Ben Hunt is going to stay. Because you don't tell him he's going if Ben yeah. Hunt isn't going to stay. Now, if they're doing that without Ben Hunt saying he's going to stay, it's terrible roster management, like terrible roster management. But I like the guts and just the clarity it gives Bud Sullivan as well to go, mate, just go, you've got the contract here, but if you want to go somewhere else, go look somewhere else. So because right now Bud's in, he's in no man's land. Like where, what's his future at the club? How long is, is Benny Hunt going to play for? Will Ben Hunt play nine? Will he play seven? Will he play like he, Bud Sullivan just doesn't know, and so 
it sucks for Bud Sullivan in the sense that I think he resigned not that long ago. So it's like clearly there were promises made when he resigned. Um, but I think it might be best for both parties if he's not going get to get given a fair crack because I do believe he's ready for a real crack at first grade. It's huge around Hunt, isn't it? Yeah. Like if Benny Hunt, as you said, they'd be mad to get rid of Sullivan if Benny Hunt was leaving. Mm. So it'd be so intriguing to hear what comes out of that. Yeah, well, um, then I saw a quote from Flanagan was like, I put my coach's hat on and said, I'm not letting you go. So it's like, are they even there yet where Ben Hunt has committed? Yeah. Uh, Sullivan was re-signed at the end of 2021. So not too recently. And that oh, was well, not recently yeah. at all then. Yeah. I thought he re-signed like last year or something like that. Yeah, okay. Geez, he'd be a good pickup for someone. Mate, he'd be a great pickup for someone. Someone with an old steady, because I actually think that Bud could be a six. As You'd well get as a good price for him oh, as well. Mate, you get but a like, price for him. I reckon you'll get whoever gets him, I think it'll be on unders. Like he could be a starting half player for a long time to come. Yeah. Yep. Um tell you what it was. He withdrew his request to leave the Dragons last year. Okay. Okay. So that's what it would have been. How ironic. He withdraws his request to leave and then a year later later they've told him that he can it's like far out. Um Yeah. Anyway. So look, in regards to that call. As long as they keep Benny Hunt, if they lose them both, that is insanity. Insanity. <laughs> Intriguing to see how that plays out, yeah. isn't it? Because if they lost them both, put it this way, if they've lost them both, Flano must have someone lined up to come in at seven. Because <laughs> that's a big thing to say. You can look elsewhere if you don't. Look, I hope, I hope he's not making way for like you know a fringe seven to come down. Kyle. Well... Because the, the chat's he's going to go there as well. Yeah, uh, look, even if Kyle is the right man for the job, it's the, I just don't think the Dragons need that added headline. Like, I agree. O- you know, it is just a crazy headline that is just going to follow them every single yep. week. Every single week it's going to follow them. Whether he's killing it or playing terrible, there's just going to be chatter around it that's gonna, going to hurt the club, isn't Think it? about how – this is how crazy it will be. There was a period where people, a lot of fans, were like, get rid of Ivan and Nathan Cleary. In that first year when they struggled, the only reason why we don't hear about their relationship and the fact that he's a son is because they're killing it, so it's working. I guarantee you, if they go through a form slump, the first news story is going to be Ivan Cleary, Nathan Cleary, as the you know, relationship. Look at Brad and Jake Arthur. Mate. Jake Arthur did nothing wrong, but just... Wolves were out. Well, look at look at Billy Walters. I know he played poorly on the weekend, but like, if he plays one bad game, it's immediately the first comment is, mm. "Oh, it's because he's the father, you know, yeah. the son of the coach." When it's like he was literally one of the best nines in the comp last round. Yeah. Like Billy Walters has been good this year, in my opinion. Um, and there's no standout guy underneath him that's killing it in New South and Queensland Cup or coming off the bench that that I think is playing consistently better than Billy. Yeah. But look at the they have to deal with it. They're coming second. Second. Yeah, it just, yeah, it seems, it's dangerous. It's too dangerous. It's just not worth it. It's unless he comes down and can take them to a premiership. It's like the Broncos are coming second and they still get smashed with that because it's a coach's son. So I just don't think it's the, I don't think it's the right call for anyone, whether it's Kyle, whether it's like Shane and. Tell you what, the Raids will take Bud Sullivan if he's taken off. I tell you what, him and Fogarty. Nice, rate it. I I don't mind it at all. Mm. You know what? I was really surprised that they let Schneider go. I thought he still had some, I guess, upside. Still young, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, pretty young. Yeah. 
big bodied sort of 5'8". Yeah. He, With Jackie going, you would think like, well, he's Similar there. enough. Yeah. But yeah. They, they've signed reportedly that gun eels halfback yeah. from the That's 19s. Exactly. And it, was, it was like 19 or something. So yeah, yeah, Ethan we'll Sanders. Get to Saunders. Um, anyway, back Sanders. to Dragons, Tigers. Uh, outside of that, look, Revelawa in defence. Um, Wowzers, what happened? But in attack, he was steamrolling blokes. Um, who, who else stood out for you? Yeah, the Dragons. Yeah. Blake Laurie, trucking nut all night long. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. Look, not a heap to say about much more about it, mate. It was, uh, we got the job done. Birdie, good to see Birdie back in after missing a few weeks. Yep. Played 22 minutes. He will likely come in and start on the edge for them this week. Uh, yeah, now it's about backing it up for the Dragons, isn't it? I liked uh, Jacob Little, 74 minutes. I think it's really, really good to get him, you know, as much game yep. time as possible. Um, I thought Amon's flick pass and just some of the touches he had. Jeez, he's silky, mate. I just, what's, I guess, been so surprising about the Amon situation is he has these, like, incredible moments and you're like, jeez, if anyone could work with Benny Hunt, it's, it's Amon. Yeah. I just think that, you know, they just lack a lot in the forward pack, to be honest. Just They don't have the same punch as the other, you know, top-tier sides. Um, I love Amon, hey. Uh, I think he's. I think he's a that's huge I mean. future as well. And so I go. That's what's with Amon. You go. You know, unless he gets a good forward pack in front of him, like if it's not going to work now with Benny Hunt in regards to like they're not winning games, like they desperately need a good forward pack, like desperately. Yeah. Um, look, Billy Burns, solid like player that gets you a lot of work, but he's you know you compare him to like even a Preston or a, um, a Tyson Brazell. Like he just Ed, edges of Billy Burns and Dan Russell. Yeah, as we said, absolutely no disrespect to them guys, but you line it up against some of the edges in the NRL, and you go, it's freaking hard to compete. Well, they're, they're, they're both they're battlers. Yeah, they're, they're battlers. They do a job. Yep. And so, but the thing is, is they definitely are. They're important to a squad, like really important to a squad. You need players like that in a starting thirty. Not everyone can be Tyson Brazil and no. kick out, but if when you've got both starting. You, you, I just don't know if that's going to give bring you enough punch. Like, whereas like if Billy Burns and Dan Russell are coming off the bench and just getting through a bunch Sweet. of work, fuck, fantastic. That's what they're suited to. And to be fair, like Dan, I think is is relatively young. Um, and to that credit, they went up against Isaiah Papali'i, John Bateman, yeah, and won the game, made, and both made forty plus tackles. Yeah. Billy Burns forty six and only one miss, and uh, Dan Russell forty and three. So as we said, like that's fucking great stats. We always look at their attack, people's attack and go, how great. 46 tackles, one missed. But I think that all that almost forwards our point even more by saying these are battlers. These are guys, you want to mix them in with guys that have really good attack. Um, and so I just look at the forward pack and go, do they have the same punch as the Raiders? You know, you're coming up against that pack. Who scares you in that pack? Nobody. Yeah, no, not real. I mean, Jack DeBellin, he works his ass off. Mm. Like literally, they've got a bunch of toilers. Which is great, and, and so you're always going to have respect for it. Um, but I think you need to just dabble in some explosive yeah, guys. Yeah, it's not saying any of them aren't NRL players, because no, they no, all are. Absolutely. Like, clearly, but I <laughs> said too many toilers in one pack. Yep, yep, agreed. Uh, Moses Zembai, I think he's re- been released from the club. He, I think he's going over the Super League. Um, so congratulations to him on a great NRL career. Uh, 
you know, obviously in the back end of his career, he was seen more as a utility, but there was a period there where he put together some bloody good footing. He's incredible footing. at the Bulldogs. Oh, mate, early on, especially when he was coming through. Um, so congratulations to Moses on a long, uh, good career. Three origin caps, mate. mate. Nothing to be uh, shied off. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, interesting Jack Bird coming off the bench. I wonder whether he's injured. Yeah, so... Surely he would be a back He, he came back through... He's had just these niggling little injuries all season. I believe he came back the last two weeks via New South Wales Cup. There was the week that I think the Dragons had the bye around 19 and they got some K's in him there. I think I believe he, he played New South Wales Cup the week after as well. So mm. I think they're just getting back up to scratch fitness-wise. But I'd expect now that he's had the... I'd expect him to start again this week. Yeah, surely, surely. Um, so yeah, look, good solid win for Dragons. Very easy for their season to completely fall apart um, and even get beaten by the Tigers. But you know they put up a fight onto the West Tigers. Um, just super disappointing. I mean, it, what's ironic is we just talked about that forward pack. You know, being a bit too much battlers. They still beat a forward pack that has <laughs> Stefano, Clemmer, Papaliti, Bateman. It has strike everywhere. Strike everywhere, yeah. and so. That kind of, it says like, sometimes battlers are better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, not sometimes. On this occasion, the battlers won. Battlers don't let you down. No, they don't let you down. Exactly. Exactly. Um, It's just when you want to take a step to the next level, Mm. you just need to mix in some explosive players to just to give you that extra extra oomph. It actually also creates space for some of the battlers as well. Um, When you've got these sprinkled through of these um, explosive players, it gives the battlers an opportunity to get those quick play of the balls or when there's fatigue, they get the quick play of the ball rather than having to take the tough carry. Um, battlers show up every week and give you everything, but a team of battlers won't take you to finals footy. No, no. Um, anyway, onto the Tigers. Oh, they sit, now they sit. Um, last by two, by four points. Just looking at the ladder. So they sit last by, um, yeah. So currently, they have 12 points. They've played 18 games, so they've had um, one all their buys as well, I think, now. Pretty sure. Whereas the Dogs, they're four points ahead. They've played 19 games, so they've still got a buy in hand. Um, Dragons, they've played 18, so I think they've had their buys. But, I mean, what is there to say about the Tigers? They've lost Dane Laurie. Uh, oh. You just know he's going to go and play well in another He was club. so good on the weekend. And he was, he was their best player. How silky did he look? Yep. I just... I don't understand sometimes. Like, Dane Laurie for me is... Was he playing as good as last year? No. I thought he was their best player last year. <clears throat> but what he brings culturally... Like, he battles in everything. He, he tries. He always has a lot of carries. He always... And that's why it was just so surprising that they so easily just said, nah, you're not a part of the squad. Like... You know what I mean? Like, surely he would get a 14 role at the very least. Put him at 14. He can play six, seven if he has to. He can play fullback, probably play wing at a pinch. Definitely play, yeah, wing. Like, covers, yeah, fullback, wing, halves, centre at a pinch kind of thing. Like Maybe even nine if you yeah. threw him in there for 10 minutes either, either side of a half. Move to the halves. How good was he defensively? He was great. He, he was great. I just... It's very questionable as well considering how little halves they have for next year. Especially with Dewey not there for the first half of the season minimum, it's crazy to me. Mate, they made, a, they made a decision at the start of this year that he just wasn't their guy. Like, remember the yarns we were getting out of preseason where Charlie Staines was ahead of him for fullback role? 
And we were going, what? Like, that's why I just don't get where he was their best player last year. Surely he gets longer than a preseason to win that fullback spot again. What a win by Penrith to get him back. Like, I'm surprised he's gone there because I don't know if it says anything about his confidence and where he's at in his headspace in footy because he's so talented. Mm. He's a starting NRL player, I believe, and he's gone to Penrith where he'll be playing second fiddle and waiting for injuries to occur. I reckon... And I'm not, I don't know whether it's going to happen or not, but I reckon Penrith have gone, look, is about to come off contract. Mm. He's already said that he's testing the market. Um, we need a backup plan ready yeah, so that we can't be held over a barrel and be forced to pay massive yeah. coin. And I believe he's only signed for one year. Yeah. Mm. So I love that because... Perfect. He's, he can go in come in and play second fiddle and play those origin weeks whenever players go down, kill it in a gun Penrith side and then get some decent cashola the year after, whether yep. that's at Penrith or elsewhere. Yeah. How, like, how exciting was he to watch? Mate. I mean, not, again, not that he's, it's his first year in the NRL or anything, but oh, disappointing for the Tigers. Anyway, they make their own decisions, don't they? Yeah. Like, I look at that back line and I go, you know, what, you're telling me that he doesn't, he can't fit in that back line? So anyway, um, he was great. So I reckon, yeah, with the Panthers, I reckon what they're doing is we put them on a year contract. We see how these negotiations go with Luai. If we lose Luai, we just go, boom, Laurie. Because he actually, he could be, I think he could be a similar-ish player to Luai. Not, a, not as good as Luai, but... Absolutely, he could be similar. Great ball runner, great footwork, decent ball playing. Why can't he be yep. good outside of Cleary? And that system is so good. If you've got talent, they're going to squeeze it out of you. Um, yeah, back to the Tigers, though. Yeah, well, look, let's talk about the positives because they've had so much negative this year. Junior Tupo, he showed this a while, like, uh, I think it was maybe at the start of the year when he made his debut, I think. Yeah, first couple of games yeah, he blistered. He was unbelievable. He played against, I think it was the Eels, and he was... It was the, the Easter Monday game. Oh, my God. And you're just going, this guy is genuinely, could be whatever he wants to be. And then, I don't want to say... Could he be? Could be anything because the great Gurino <laughs> is obviously not with don't us. Don't disrespect him like that. I don't want to disrespect the Rue. He'll be back next week, though, guys. So don't worry about that. Um, yeah, with Junior, you go far out in a losing side. He had two tries, a try assist, two hundred twenty-one meters, seven tackle breaks, four line breaks, um, and you know, like what's really, I guess, bizarre is that came all on Laurie's edge. It's like. Pretty he was on the left edge outside Talao, wasn't he? Yep. And then Nofalo was on the other side? Um, anyway, uh, so Junior Tupo, that's a shining light. So we spoke about it earlier in the year of when things were starting to look dire for the Tigers. The, the really positive light is that, you know, there are clubs out there that would kill for juniors like this, like Buller, like Tupo. It's just a matter of creating an environment mm. where you can get the best out of them. Yeah, I look, I actually saw saw enough positives in in the Tigers on the weekend on what was clearly not a great night, but I think there's a blueprint there that they can take off the Parramatta Eels of 2022, and they, they've got this strike on the edges in Isaiah Papali'i and John Bateman. They were shifting the ball really early and using it, mm. and they look dangerous. Yeah. Like, you get the ball to IPAP, and Johnny Bateman, bit of early ball, they'll create things. They yeah. always do. Like, mm. Papali'i beats that first look every time, just goes whack, and then 
just looks for support. John Bateman's John Bateman. He's an X Factor. You don't know what he's going to do. I'd be doing doing exactly as they did against the Dragons on Thursday night. These early shifts to them, and then I'd be saying to Dream Buller, mates, just follow it and sniff off the back of them because yep. they'll they'll get an offload. They'll stop the defensive line. Attacking opportunities will come, and that's exactly what Parramatta Parramatta based their whole game in 2022 off uh, Sean Lane and Isaiah Papali'i. So, yeah, no, I, I thought there were some positive signs there, and and I thought they were quite enjoyable to watch the way they played on Thursday night. Yeah, well, I mean, you're right. You look at the Eels, and it was you know spin it to Brown. He either hits Lane, mm-hmm. goes himself, or hits out the back, and that's how their momentum would get created. I mean, the Panthers did it for a while with kick out. They just go boom straight out to kick out. Momentum would yep. get would increase. When you look at it as well, they had six line breaks compared to the Dragons two. Yeah. So it's like six line breaks. You should win the game with that, but clearly they're missing a seven to big time. You know, really finish the sets off. Um, so if they can just be really shrewd with who they do select for seven next year, things can turn around relatively quickly. I don't see them as when you look at this roster. Surely, I don't see him getting a spoon again next year unless they completely botch their seven recruitment. Their roster's too good to be going wooden spoon three years in a row. Yeah, I mean, said the same at the start of this year. I don't know what to believe with the Tigers anymore. Oh, but surely, surely they got a good experience seven. He'll be able to. For example, a game where you get six line breaks, they get two. He'll be able to ice those those moments, surely. You'd hope so. Oh, man. You'd hope so. You're right. You're absolutely would hope so. Anyway, uh, on to the next game. Warriors defeat the Raiders 21-20. Really, really bizarre game in regards to, you know, for 75 minutes, it was Warriors completely dominated the Raiders, um, or even 70 minutes. And then all of a sudden, Raiders go, oh, you know, we forgot. We actually like really gritty games. We actually like to either win by two points or one point. Um, we don't lose by 13 plus. But we, sorry, we don't win by 13 plus. We also don't lose by 13 plus. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so true to form, Raiders just fight tooth and nail, uh, but unfortunately couldn't get the win. We'll go to the Warriors. Uh, look, yeah, okay. You could look at it and go, boys, that game was in the bag and you nearly lost it. And that's a fair assessment, but I actually take more, I guess, hope for the Warriors out of the fact that all the momentum swung to the Raiders and it looked like, oh my God, we're about to see a comeback. And then the Warriors just went away before extra time, completely reset, just said, yep, all good, reset everything, reset their minds and just went really calmly, set after set, obviously they got that seven tackles. They kept it real simple, got up the field, SJ just put it over. And I just think that that just shows you a team that doesn't panic in really tough circumstances. Whereas the Warriors of yesteryear, and not even the Warriors of yesteryear, I honestly reckon, oh, like maybe 13 out of the 17 sides panic in that situation, completely panic. They go, oh my God, we're about to lose the game. We need to do something crazy. And the Warriors just showed their maturity and just went, no, all good. All right, yep, they've come back into it. Yep, they've scored on the buzzer or essentially on the buzzer and just went through the motions, got the field goal. And it was almost like, it was almost like they'd been there so many times before, but they hadn't. Like, this is, a, this is an important game. We're talking about, you know, I know it says Raiders Warriors. We have to remember it's fourth versus fifth or whatever. Was it fourth versus fifth or fifth yep. versus sixth? Fourth versus it's fifth. It's fourth versus fifth. Yeah. So we're looking at top tier sides. Like, for example, it's essentially like Broncos versus Broncos versus Storm full strength. 
because only one space separates mm. them. So this is a big, big game, a big, big moment in front of a home crowd, and they absolutely nailed it. And that's what I take up, you know, against a team that is known for winning really gritty ways. The Warriors won the game through all their skill and dominated most of the game. But then when it got gritty, they said, oh, okay, all good. We can do that too. And I just think that's a sign of a well-rounded side. Yeah, look, it was really disappointing performance from the Raiders, if I'm being honest. And I think the scoreline really flattered us. I thought, I mean, it almost was a miracle that we got to Golden Point in the first place. We just, the, the attack from both sides, they were worlds apart. Yeah. The Warriors, every time they're attacking our line, look likely to score. Mm. And as the Raiders do, we gritted our way to remarkably golden point. Mm. But it would have been a really bittersweet win if we did. It would have been unbelievable, don't get me wrong. But we didn't deserve to win this game. And every time the Raiders would attack the Warriors' line and we, we pounded it for periods of, of the second half, mate, we didn't know how to use our back line. We had no ball yeah. movement. There was two or three sets in a row where we'd just play short to Mariotta and then play short to Papali'i at the line. or And you're like, boys, just use the ball. It was like we couldn't do it. Mm. And on the flip side, the Warriors, their right edge, we could not stop that. Like some of the tries so they good. scored in the Raiders' defence, not many teams would have stopped it. Like mm. the right edge off the back of SJ's passing game yeah. is humming. I, I was, yeah, we're really flattered by a one-point loss here. Mm. And, and, and poor old Jamal Fogarty, who I thought had quite a good game in a lot of parts, in particular his kicking game, just unforgivable, that golden point kick uh, mm. that went uh, the seven-tackle set. Kicked from about his own 40. Wind got a hold of it a bit, but had been doing the same all game, yep. and it just sailed, sailed, sailed. We handed it to him in golden yeah. point. Yeah, your, your kicking game is so... Because Jackie has a tendency, like I think it was a kick down the full as well once. Jack doesn't have a tendency to kick one out the full. <laughs> Every game. Jack has done it every game since I've been watching him since he's about 15 years old and he's done it every single game and it I love him so much but it blows my mind that he hasn't rounded that edge because he's never been able to get out of his game yeah yeah and they're not just like out by half a meter <laughs> they go out by six meters <laughs> oh sometimes yeah it hasn't been the best year for Jackie I don't think it, um to be honest but let's talk about the Warriors first we'll talk about the Warriors first um, at what point do you just go, don't kick. I'm not going to try to land at a metre from the touchline. I'll just kick in field a bit. Yeah. And then when you do miss secure by six metres, it drops a metre short of the line and it's a perfect kick. <laughs> I love you, Jack, but sort it out. Actually, well, you know what, don't you? You're the bunnies yeah. this year. <laughs> so don't sort it out. Um, I think it's the, the mindset that he has that like he'll go for the win yeah. at all times. All, all out of time. Big play, yeah. Big play. Like I'm going for a, a massive 40-20 or whatever. Um but yeah, there's been a lot of moments this year, like he's gotten the ball in crucial areas of the field at crucial times and knocked on or kicked it dead or, you know, so it hasn't been Jackie's best year, unfortunately. Um, uh, but anyway, on the, on the Warriors, um, yeah, the Warriors, as I said, like when you look at this, these stats, like they had less time in possession. Uh, so the Raiders had 29, 19 seconds minutes, 29 minutes, 19 seconds. The Warriors had 25 minutes and 10 seconds. The Raiders had 54%. The Warriors had 46%. And, like, to still get the win the way they did and, and to be as dominant mm. as they did is just, like, they are so impressive. And, look, after that win, not even after that win, after last week's win as well, but it'd almost be shocking if they don't make the top four. Yeah, with their, with their run home, the form they're in. They've, they've got, got a, a buy still? They've got a buy this week. 
Could not come at a better time. Mate. Recharge the batteries, any niggling injuries, sweet. Get the boys back up to scratch. Come back, get, what, four or five weeks in before finals time. And, like, heading into their bye, they beat two teams above them on the table. Like, it's just unbelievable the run that they're heading into and just the fact that, you know, they're putting to sword teams above them. They're not winning bottom – they're not beating bottom eight sides by a lot. What do you got there, Matty? I was just going to say, like, I really like your point about how composed the Warriors were in Golden Point because – you're right, like, ideally, they would have been, they were up, they dominated the game, and ideally, they would have put the foot on the throat and just smoked the Raiders, and the good news is, they stayed composed, as you said, they won the game, and I, th- I think that would be Andrew Webster's talking point that, you know, they should do that, but we, sh- we saw the week before against the Sharks that they can put the foot on the throat. Yeah. So, for me, the last two weeks have been so impressive for the Warriors that they can, A, grind out a win if they need to, but like not just grind out a win, dominate the whole game, but it be put in a position where they shouldn't have been and then remain composed, as you said, but be put the foot in the throat like, like they did the Sharks. So yeah, I, the last two weeks, I've always, I've always been like stoked for the Rose this year, but the last two weeks have really shown to me that they should make the top four and they can really mm-hmm. give it a shake. Yes, they, they need to beat teams like Penrith and, you know, I, I guess they, they, that game against Broncos is probably one that, Got away from it a little bit, the baby Broncos. But, yeah, I'm really excited for the Warriors coming through. Oh, mate. And, and uh, the sign of a good side, and we'll get to Penrith later because they did this as well, is being able to win in different ways. Whereas when you can only win in one way, I mean, you know, I hate to bring them up, but you look at the Sharkies. They only win one way. And it's basically against the bottom tier sides, they absolutely mm. destroy them. Um, you know, whereas you look at the Warriors, they can win when momentum swings against them, when they have less possession, they can completely destroy sides as well. Uh, you know, you even look at that baby Broncos loss, they were so close to winning that, you know. So they could have won that from way behind. Like, you never, you, you always go into games and you need to be aware that it's not going to turn out the way you hope it is going to turn out, usually. Like, the really the only team that does this is Penrith. They dictate terms constantly, but that's because they're the best in the comp. They most defy all logic when it comes to rugby league tactics. Oh, mate, <laughs> they're unbelievable. So Whereas, like, most of the time, you go in with a game plan and it just gets com- – like, it's like Mike Tyson's great um, quote, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. It's the same on a footy field. Everyone has a plan until something – you know, James Tedesco completes your terms, tears your team apart. Latrell Mitchell does something crazy and all of a sudden you're down by 12. And so the Warriors have proven that – whether they're completely under the pump or whether they're you know, flying high, they still get the job done. And uh, to, to tie into saying that I think the, the scoreline flattered the Raiders, look at the tries. Hudson Young, 18th minute. That was off a loose ball that he scooped up and ran away with against yeah. the runner play. Jordan Rapana's try, that was a freak air in the air, uh, effort oh, in the man. air off the back so of us good. attacking the line for three sets that they defended and we didn't look like scoring. Elliot Whitehead, 78th minute. Kicking grubber in behind the line. Again, I believe he got a, a pretty hectic deflection or something. But again, yep. nothing against what the Warriors were doing. And then the only try that we scored that was actually threatening and probably good footy on our end and probably catching them out defensively was the 79th minute, Jack Whiten, which was just a hit and hope, throw the ball. Mm. And we nailed it. But up to that point, they'd conceded three tries that essentially were mm. largely luck. And, you're, and I'm sure Webster says this to him. Look, boys, if they can score off these, you know, <laughs> random plays that happen i'll cop that it's the ones that i can't i can't cop them scoring through the middle of our forward pack mm. or you know at our three in defender or whatever if they score on right on the edges 
or through these crazy plays, then okay, so be it. They're not going to be able to do that week in, week out. You can't control the bounce of the ball at the end no. of the day. No, absolutely not. Um, so, yeah, with the Warriors, it's just fuck, it's just so exciting. I, when we talk about everything needing to go right to win a premiership, they're starting to get in that area of they've got that magic about them this year. Mm-hmm. There's something, you know, in the water. Everything seems to be going right off the back of all the hard work that they've done. Um, yeah, look, look. Put it this way: two weeks ago, there's no way I would have said they're a chance of winning the premiership. I would have said, nah. Like, look, they, they'll play finals. Oh, they, they. A matter of fact, actually, no. Two weeks ago, I actually thought they would drop out of the finals, uh, top eight, because I had they'd just been pumped by the uh, Rabbitohs at home, and the Rabbitohs were missing a few players then too: Campbell Graham, Latrell Mitchell. Then they went and beat a you know a very understrength eel side. So I was like. Look, when we look at these other teams, that, like the Eels were on a six, six win, uh, um, I think it was like six from seven games win streak. Uh, then you looked at the Raiders obviously going really well. You looked at the Cowboys coming back into contention. I actually thought the Warriors may slip out of the eight. Now, obviously, since then, they're definitely going to make the eight. But after the weekend, I think that, you know, they, may, they, they are a chance of winning a premiership this year. I still have Penrith and Broncos ahead of them. But... They have definitely moved into at least the top four teams that I would consider winning the comp this year. Yeah. If we're, if we're putting Penrith in class of their own, which as it stands, I believe they are, mm. they can beat anyone on their day. Like, why not? Yeah. Well, like we mentioned it last week. Whether it's Penrith getting upset or, you know, God forbid, a few injuries strike them, mm. why not? Yeah. Seriously, like, you look at their team, it is so well-rounded. They've got battlers. They've got incredible, you know, explosive players. Um like, even a guy like Mitch Barnett, you know, coming across. Unreal depth. He, he is just, you know, he was at the, the Knights and it was almost, I know we had that incident uh, last year. We got suspended for a substantial amount of time, but he's just an example of such good coaching right now. Like, the fact that he's gone to the level that he's gone to. Then you've got Jackson Ford, who's um, just been so good for them. You know, even Murata Niakore, you know, he only played 20 minutes, but he, he was there, one of their biggest signings. And he's had he, impact. Uh, yeah, HIA. Yeah. Failed HIA. And so he's had impact, but he's actually, he hasn't been their best, best back role because he hasn't really played that much consistent footy. Um, I think he's been suspended and then he's also been injured. Yeah, he just came back from a suspension. Yeah. Big suspension. And so like, that's how good they're going. Where One of their best, probably their best forward signing outside of maybe Dylan Walker, but their best starting forward signing, you know, he's been on and off the field mm. and they haven't skipped a beat. It's unbelievable. Um, Adam Fanula Blake once again just like so he goes against the Raiders known for their forward pack comes out 20 runs 205 metres 89 post contact 34 tackles oh right he is just he's been one of the best recruits the Warriors may have I'm trying to think of a forward recruit that's been as good as Adam Fanula Blake has been for that club no bloke that size and that effective like should be playing 69 minutes and doing what he does week in, week out. Like probably maybe Steve Price. Is it, He's probably the, the last yeah. big forward sign or, that went or, over there and did well. Or Ruben Wiki. Toru Harris. Yeah. See, I, I would say like Toru Harris has been really solid and good, but I think Adam Fanor Blake, like put it this way, Adam Fanor Blake to a lot of people is the best front row in the comp. Yeah. Whereas, okay, like Steve Price, he would have been one of the best front rowers in the comp, but I don't think he would be, at the time, 
Would he be considered the best front rower in the comp? So that was coming off the back of Doggies won the comp in 04, and I went, he went in 05, I believe. Correct. So he was he was pretty close to the best front rower in the comp. He was go- origin front Doggies rower. Doggies captain, but, origin front rower. But it's a good point. Like, for me, Adam Fanua Blake's the second best front rower in the comp at the moment. Yeah. And to be fair, like, if I'm being honest, I was a kid when Steve Frost, so I can't really comment, but... Well, I was at the club when Steve yeah. Frost was there. He was fantastic. And he would have been one, one of the best front rowers in the comp, for mm-hmm. sure. Like, for sure. But again, like, for example, Toe Harris, he's been... One of the best thirteens for sure, and that even the you know he's had injuries as well. Whereas Adam Fenor Blake, essentially since going there, you could make the argument that he's been the best front rower in the comp. Mm. You know, so yeah. I think behind Payne Haas, yeah, sure. But there's some people that would say yeah. like, I've got Payne Haas as the best front rower in the comp. Yeah. in regards to what he does just individually on the field, but Adam Fenor Blake, like some people would say he's better. Put it this way, he's in, he's in the team of the year. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. So, so far, is he ahead of Haas in regards to how many selections? Didn't someone leave a comment with it? Anyway, he's in the I'll team have of the year so, that one, yeah. so far for us. Um, and that's what I just find so impressive, like that he's gone from Manly, who were flying at the time, to Warriors, and everyone thought, oh, you know, he won't be as good. He's arguably better. He's a leader. And he consistently punches out incredible. This is best season in the NRL. Mate, it's sure. amazing. It's yeah. amazing. So, just a massive wrap to Adam and, and um, you know the whole coaching staff. Seriously, so impressive. Uh, Sean Johnson. I mean, what more is there to say? We've said it a million times. I want to t- talk about Charles Neil Klukster. Just what a we talk about culture signings, and guys that often get overlooked by other clubs because. In a sea of fullbacks where you go, Tom Javorovic, Latrell Mitchell, James Tedesco, Scott Drinkwater, Reese Walsh, players like Chance just kind of, just because they don't have that little gear in them that maybe some of the top tier mm. fullbacks have, they just get left out of the conversation. But what he brings off the field can sometimes make up for that gear that he may not have on the field. And on the field, you know you're getting his heart and soul, the depths of it every game. And that is something that you can't put a price on it. You can't put a material value or measure it. But when you need a fullback in your side that's going to say to the rest of the team is, this is what we expect from everyone. That's what the Warriors have done so well with a guy like Charles Duke-Klukstad. They've gone, I mean, I personally thought maybe you had him in the centres to shore up their defence at the start of this year. Now I say, mate, you cannot move him from fullback. He's the heart and soul of that team. The heart and soul of the team. There's been two games all season. So... There were two injury-affected games. Round two against the Roosters, he only played 53 minutes. And then round eight against the Storm, he played 55 minutes. Scrap those. Outside of that, he has run for like 180, 190 plus metres just about every single game. The only one that he didn't, he ran for 118 metres against the Bunnies three weeks back in that torrential rain, which okay. was like a real exception. Even the Broncos in round 13, 65 minutes, so it must have been a HIA. And for 240 metres. So he's basically running for 190 plus metres every single week. And I tell you what, he he wouldn't be on a heap of money either. No. So value signings, oh my goodness. So good. Like when when you look at their spine, Chance, Metcalf, Johnson, Egan, they would be monetarily on way less than most other spines. 12 games this season he's run for 180 metres plus. So take out a few of those injury affected games. Mate, so much value. So much value. Um, how much has Wade Egan improved? 
far out is getting better. He's just getting better and better each week. Um, and he's just, you know, he may not have the craziest stats or, you know, you could pair him to say like a Harry Grant or whatever, but his combination, how quickly it has gelled with SJ this year, because SJ obviously, um, you know, struggled a bit last year. and But this year with their form, it just, you can tell they're on the same page. Like you can tell that him and SJ just know where each other are going to be know where to get to on a field and also they just trust each other a lot of these reason why the connections don't work is they don't trust each other they don't sit there and go i know he's going to do his job so i don't have to worry about overcalling him or whatever um egan's been outstanding uh anyone else stand out for you boys i got one thing to say about the warriors i'm going to say this in the most positive spin that i can i think the next five weeks six weeks is such a big job for andrew webster because They've been fighting as underdogs all year, and mm. it's been great. They're going to go into all these games as favourites. And if I'm being completely honest, the two there's there's two instances in the last couple of months where they've gone in as, wow, Warriors are gunned, we should win, and they've lost. The one against the Broncos and the one against South. Now, yes, the South one was, was rain, whatever. I, I'm just saying it's a big job for Webster to make sure this team doesn't get too complacent because they're going to go into every single one of these games as favourites. So... Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of like, it's a bit of a shift because as I said, they've been fighting as underdogs all year. So I just hope that doesn't happen. Yeah. Oh, it's, his, it's a massive challenge for Webster because he's got to say to them, boys, all these things have been going right and we've been able to draw on the well of being an underdog. That's how you get the boys fired up. You know, we're underdogs and fuck it, everything's against us and no one wants us to win. But now it's about, okay, boys, we've set standards. So there is no excuse that we don't go out and win these games. There is no reason other than you guys being complacent. We know we've got a better squad. We know we play, play better footy. We've beaten top tier sides. I mean, you even go back to the Penrith game. I'm pretty sure they had some dud calls and also they might've had a sin bin or two. Um, so like they've gone all right against Penrith. And, and so it's a great point, Maddie, in regards to it's it, sometimes it's an even tougher coaching situation because you don't want to get complacent. And I think against the Rabbitohs, I know it was in the rain, but I think they did get a bit complacent against the Rabbitohs. And that's what was so impressive about this, this win against the Raiders because they came in off the massive win off the Sharks. And I think everyone was like, now everyone's on board the hype train for the Warriors. That was so impressive about the fact they just came. It's almost like they didn't even notice the, the headlines. They just came out, got the job done. Well, I tipped the Raiders. The, the Warriors were on a five-day turnaround. Mm. The Raiders were coming off the bye. Those two factors are very hard things to overcome on any given week. And the same, I thought like the Warriors going in with all this hype, mm. it, gets to, it gets to teams more often than not. Yeah. So to defy all those factors made an even better win. Yeah. Even the best thing, like even Broncos have suffered from going into games with all this hype and then they're just not playing as well as you Most think they would. Most teams do, yeah. to be fair. So it's a really, um, yeah, tough. It's a tough month mentally, but it can be a very, very rewarding month. Because if they go on a run and win essentially all their games... Like they're definitely, well, they're definitely in the top four. But you know, if the Broncos drop a few games or Panthers do, all of a sudden Possibly. you're going, shit. Could they be a minor premiership side? Final shout out to Dallin Watenis Lesniak. That try saver on Seb Chris was unbelievable. Oh, Chance Nickel Cookstad caught in the line defensively. Dallin screams across from his wing to save that try. Mm. That was free. like so good. It's like not only one of the ultimate effort areas you see in the game, mm. but then to pull it off. Oh man. It just shows you where they're at as, as a squad too. So good. So exciting. Now, on to the Raiders. Oh, really poor performance. Showed, look, we all know they've got grit. 
They've proven it time and time and time again. So you have to give raps for the fact that they fought until the death. Um, but the problem is they can't keep playing like this because eventually they're going to get tired and fatigued as the season wears on and more people get injured. You can't put yourselves in battles like this because you're just going to be worn down and you're not going to be able to win those battles. I actually thought our forward pack were outstanding. I, I thought this might be controversial, but I, I thought the Raiders won the middle. Because our back line, like our ball movement was so poor, that, like we couldn't put points on the board through that. But I thought our middles were tremendous. And I thought that's what you know, even kept us in the game. Well, Josh, Josh Papali'i had his best game of the season. Joe Tarpany, week in, week out, is outstanding. But Big Papa, he was brilliant. We just... I just struggle to see where points come from at times. You know, we can score them off kicks or freakish Hudson Young plays, whatever they might be. But, man, our attack was lacklustre mm. uh, trying to, to crack the Warriors' line there. So, I don't know, mate. Like, like Shout-out to Sebby Chris, who... Started the year, you think we're going into the year with him as number one. Very solid outside back. Can he make the transition to being fullback? Probably not. He's become so well-rounded. And we talk about, spoke about effort areas there. Went against him when Dallin Matanis Lesniak knocked it out of his hands. Seb had, I don't know if it was two tackles in a row or two in three, where he saved a try in the corner and then he screamed back and saved another one under the post. Two incredible defensive plays. Mm. He's been brilliant. I think the way the Raiders attack, and it's been we've been such a forward dominant side for a long time now. I just mentioned our outside backs, not enough on the outside backs, but just our ball moving out there is pretty ordinary. We attack through the middle. I just think Seb needs to get his support play going again a little bit. Not again, probably the last area he really needs to round out because he's yeah. safe as under the high ball. Defensively, he's been great, but we need to get players, Jordan Rapana included, supporting Joe Tarpany, Josh Papali'i, Corey Horsburgh, all these blokes with great offloads. Mm. If we're going to attack through the middle, there needs to be support. Yeah. I just think you're, and we've spoken about it, they've gone so well. When you compare your spine to the other spines, you go, look, on paper, this spine isn't close to, Jackie Whiten at his best is definitely top, top tier. But at the moment, he's being quiet. So when Jackie Whiten's quiet, very hard for you guys to score points. Like, he is the, the tip of the spear for you guys. And so I think that the Raiders have identified that, um, and that's why they've signed – Ethan Perry is his name, is it? Is it Ethan Perry or Sanders? Sanders. Ethan Sanders um, was outstanding uh, in the under-19s New South Wales versus Queensland game. I just think that, you know, Zach Warford, good battler. Starling, I think he's an impact player of the bench. I think you need a nine. I think that you need someone that can really bring the best out in Fogarty at six or Fogarty plays six. But, yeah, just your spine, it just doesn't have many points in it when you need it. And also, even just when – even the, the boring stuff of rugby league, like they're not even – you know, you got to the, their trial line quite a lot, really struggled just to square the defence up. And that's like pretty basic stuff. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I feel that – it, you really need to find players that can do that because otherwise you're just going to be banging your head against the wall. You're never going to be able to take that next step. Yeah, like Jack Whiten's a, a brilliant footballer, but you know he's a run first, five eight, big mm. bodied, strong ball runner. The ball move, like Matty Timiko, <clears throat> was tremendous again on the weekend. But a lot of what Matty's done this season has just been him being a gun, and like yeah. he, he gets a bit of early ball and you run over the top of blokes or run through blokes because he's a beast but we're not putting him in good positions to do this. Like mm. you saw the Bradman best try that the Knights scored on that ruthless left edge against the Storm. 
and they just had him teaming onto the ball. They got him running into a, into a little gap, one on one at full speed. If we can get Matty Timiko doing that, mm. like we won't, they won't stop him. Yep. But we're not giving the blokes on the edge opportunities to do this at all. Well, I mean, you look at the the Titans, for example, with Foz and Fafita. Like it's totally changed his game, yeah. and he's killing it. It all comes off a half that can put him in the right positions to do that. Uh, with the Raiders, like I look at it, and what what do we always say with the Raiders? They'll drag you into a battle and bring you down to what they want to play. That's great for season footy, but sometimes when that extra gear is needed, I'm just a bit concerned that Raiders may not have the extra gear of finals footy in them. Now, they may get to finals footy and be able to drag people down. They might be so good at dragging people down that they just go, nah, we're, we've got great forward pack, we're just going to drag you into the middle. But if a team comes and plays them high percent completion rate, plus has the ability to score points, I just worry that they will be unable to, to kind of go with them that way. Yeah. Um, the, thing, the one thing the Raiders have in there, I guess, on their side, is they are so good at dragging people into that fight. They are, it's almost as if players, it's almost like we spoke about earlier, you've got a plan to get punched in the face. It's almost like teams go to Canberra or they go to play Canberra, they got this crazy game plan. They go, yep, their spine isn't that great, so we just need to take care of their forwards. They're 20 minutes in and they're going, the fuck, we're in, we're in the dogfight. Like, why are we doing what they want us to do? But Raiders just have such a knack of just pulling you into it. So It's, it's like where it might be an unfair comparison to the, for the Raiders' back line, but I feel like maybe like there's a, a degree of we, we're talking about the Dragons pack being a bunch of battlers who mm. will do a job but they lack a bit of strike. I sometimes feel the same with the Raiders back seven, like mm. the whole back line. They're, yeah. they're all unreal, but you just feel like they lack that X factor. Yeah. Well, as I said, like if Jackie Whiten's firing, you've got it. You've got it. Yeah. Like, you know, when you went to the grand final, you know, it had Charles Duclockstad and Jackie was firing and doing all that great stuff. But when he has a quiet year, it's like, and the problem is, is I, I do believe Timoko can be that guy. But he, he needs a player yeah. to help him be that Exactly. Yeah. Timoko absolutely has the X factor there. Mm. Jordan Rapana did back in the day, but, you know, he's an ageing winger. Yeah. He's still a terrific NRL player, but... He's more of a battler these days. He's, he's becoming a bit more of a battler. Even though that try was outstanding. Yeah, and there's still a place for it. But you're right, with Timoko, he needs a bit of help and blokes putting him in the right position rather than saying, here's the ball, roll over someone. Well, Bradman Best is a perfect example. You know, he's almost been this, like, jewel just sitting out there doing nothing mm. for two years. And then all of a sudden, they put Hastings on his side and, they, and Kalen there as well, and they go, oh, we've actually got a beast on the edge here. And now Bradman Best has been playing incredible because he's getting used and yep. given, getting, given, um, getting ball given to him in good space. Um, uh, but, yeah, the, the, the positive was that, I mean, first we got back into a game that we probably didn't deserve to be in, and I really I thought our forward pack were outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so hopefully Jackie can find a bit of form um, because – I just don't know if you can go deep in the finals unless Jackie's firing. And that's the other uh, positive to take from it. You know, up until last week, we were sitting fourth and Jack's had some great moments this season, but we know he's got more gears in him. If he can find them, well then, you know, what can we Mate, be? If you, yeah, if Jackie can hit some crazy form, fire yeah, out. Go on one of them 2019 runs. Mate, if he can hit that form, because it's almost like he's, the Raiders boys will turn to each other and go, oh, we don't have to battle anymore. We've got this gun that can score yep. points. Um, so... Look, disappointing loss, a bit concerning the first 60 minutes, but 21-20 away from home at New Zealand. Yeah. I think people are underestimating how good New Zealand are this year. They're, to me right now, they're a top four side. 
they're they're a genuine top four side. Um, I know they're sitting third, obviously. So people are like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that you sometimes teams can find themselves in this position, and you go, yeah, but are they the four best sides in the comp? No, they're like, for example, for example, last year, where the Sharkies finish, second. But when you looked at their roster and you looked at the other team, did anyone really think that they were the second best team in the competition? Well, we'll look right now. Who's more of a top eight team, the Rabbitohs or the Sharks? Yeah. The Rabbitohs. But yeah. who's in the top eight? The so. Rabbitohs are still third favourite between the comp and they're out of the eight. Exactly, yeah. And also, Cowboys, they're sitting seventh, Sharkies sixth. Whereas I look at the Warriors and I go, no, they genuinely are. Right now, they're genuinely the third best team in the comp. It's not, it's not a, a draw thing. It's not the yep. fact that they had, you know, an easy run in. Um, they are. Yeah, the, the top like, three is conclusively the Penrith are the first best, Brisbane are the second yeah. best, Warriors yep. are the third best, for sure. The uh, rest is up for debate. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we'll see how Raiders go next week. Now, we have a special promotion in Queensland Liquor Legends stores this week. Many of you guys have been asking for this one, so here it is. Bloke Lager six-pack is seventeen ninety nine at all Liquor Legends stores in Queensland. Go check out your nearest Liquor Legends in Queensland and reward yourself with a six-pack of Bloke Lager. And we have Bloke Midi on special in New South Wales Liquor Legends stores this week. Go check out your nearest Liquor Legends in New South Wales and reward yourself with a case of Bloke Midi. Make sure to get into your local Liquor Legends, guys. They have been with us since day dot, day dot. So get into your local Liquor Legends for some great um, specials and support independently owned, Aussie-owned liquor stores. So that's Liquor Legends. All stores in Queensland and all stores in New South Wales have a special of bloke lager or midi going right now. Now, Broncos defeat the Rabbitohs 36-20. to 20. Uh, Really, really good win for the Broncos. Um, look, the completion rate by both teams was really, really poor. Uh, I think uh, Rabbitohs completed at a little bit uh, worse percentage at 65%. I think that the Broncos ended up at around 67%, I think. Uh so it's, it's a bit of a tough one because you go, well, was this really the high quality that we all kind of expected? Actually, according to NRL.com, South was 66 and Broncos were 65. Oof. There you go. There you go. Yeah, 66, 65. And that's why I saw a lot of Rabbitohs fans getting upset going, oh, because we lost because our completion rate was terrible. It's like, no, no, I don't think so. I think both teams' completion rate was absolutely abysmal. Um, but in saying that, like watching the game, it still seemed like a high standard when things did get going. It didn't seem like I was watching a bottom eight, you know, battle or something. Uh, from the Broncos' perspective, what an amazing win. I mean, to beat the Rabbitohs with two sin bins and to beat them convincingly, that's really, really impressive. Uh, Rabbitohs, um, oh, they look like a side waiting for Latrell to get back. <clears throat> they look like a side that's like... Look, we know we can go on a run. We know we can beat anyone. When Troll gets back, we'll do it. Because that didn't look like the Rabbitohs that I know. That looked like really clunky, didn't have an extra gear in them, which I've never seen with the Rabbitohs. Like, I, I can't remember a time where, like, the Rabbitohs have gone set for set with Penrith at their best. I can't remember a time where a team has gone, all right, we're just going to step it up a notch here. And that's what the Broncos did. They came out that second half and they just said, we're just going to increase the pace, increase the momentum, increase the um, physicality. Everything's going to get increased. And let's see if you can go with us. Now, 
it's a gift and a curse with the Broncos because we've seen them do that against bottom tier sides and you're like, oh my God, bro, I wish you could just go for 80 minutes and get the job done. But when they're doing it against a team like the Rabbitohs, you've got to give props where props are due. Um, and that is the really exciting thing about the Broncos. As I said, it can be a gift and a curse. It's a gift if we get into finals games and we do that because we go, we've got another gear in us, guys. Like We can fucking go better than this. Um, it's a curse if we find ourselves too far behind in a game and we can't come back. Now, it worked in this uh, instance. Um, so the Broncos, for me, just had another gear in them. I think they are... I think that it's really exciting heading into finals footy that the fact that they do have that other gear in them, that when a game is tough and it's hanging in the balance, they come together and go, nah, we'll get the job done. Rabbitohs, on the other hand, look, I, as I said, I think they're just a team waiting for Troll, get, to, troll to get back. They have to start picking it up soon, though, because if they don't, they're not going to make the eight. Yeah, a million different ways you can look at this game, isn't it? And like, so starting on the bunnies... <laughs> It's a weird feeling about them because I'm the same. They were really disappointing in this clash, but they've got a really soft draw home. They have a bye. Mm. I reckon they go five from five plus the, the bye. So I think they can finish the competition on 36 points, maybe factor in for a loss, but they were really – it's weird because they were really poor, so it sounds stupid to say, but yeah. I do feel like they're going to click. They've pretty well got their full side on deck. Latrell due back this week. Tavita Totola should be back as well. Yeah. I just think they're going to go on a run. They looked a bit complacent to me mm. uh, on Friday night. They were using the ball so... They scored that try about five minutes into Alex Johnston mm. and they didn't even really strip us for numbers because it was that yeah. Tony Stars missed tackle. And I just felt like off the back of that, they went, we can do this again and again. Mm. And they couldn't because Brisbane's defence was too good, but very clunky. No. Not even so much clunky, just drop balls, so many mistakes. And they didn't really earn the right to, to go wide mm. by going through the middle first and winning that battle. So, look, they're sitting outside the eight now, so it sounds a little bit silly to say, I, I think they can still finish top four, but mm. I think they're going to go on a run. That being said, judging that game alone, Bunnies were terrible. Mm. And the Broncos to do that with two players in the bin against the Bunnies, who I think are the best side in the NRL at stripping numbers, to do it with 12 blokes on the field for two periods, that's a really gutsy win. Oh, it's massive, massive. And I've got to <laughs> hand it to Staggs. Uh, aside from that initial missed tackle, he did exactly what you need to do to get against Cody Walker. You cannot allow Cody Walker, Walker to dictate to you the pace of the way he plays. And that's what Queensland did. They allowed Cody Walker to get deep into the line and let. Because as, as soon as you allow Cody Walker to get deep in the line, that's why these plays are set up and designed to create space. So even if you have the best defense in the world, he's going to get the ball to the right person. They're either going to get a quick play of the ball or a line break. Whereas what the Broncos did, that Stags just went, no, nah, I'm just going to shoot out a line every single time. Now it's super risky. And I'm sure Cody Walker could make adjustments to make sure that that doesn't keep happening. Mm. But when it just happens to you, again, it must be the theme of the podcast. Everyone has a plan to get punched in the face. Sometimes in the heat of the battle, when it's happening, you don't have time to kind of readjust your settings. It's something that Cleary really struggled with at the start of his career. He had a certain game plan. And if anyone rattled that game plan, he would have no plan B. The net Cleary that we see now, really good at going to plan B, plan C. It's what the Storm were really good at. Cam Smith was the master of it. A plan A, a plan B, a plan C. Like they could just always, anytime that the, the you know, you think that you outcoached the Storm, they would have another plan. And then you would have to change that. And then they would change that. And then it would just be a back and forth. And so with the Rabbitohs, I just think that Broncos did a really good job of just upsetting their rhythm 
plus they didn't have a high enough completion rate to adjust their plan. I tell you, I thought the Bunnies missed it around that. And when I said they, I thought they were playing too laterally too early. Gee, that I thought they missed it. Maybe be able to chime in, but uh, Junior Totola. Oh, mate. Just the bloke who, you know, when they get a bit panicky and things aren't going their way, he just trucks it up, gets a quick play of the ball, busts a couple of blokes, mm. and just he's just such a let's go forward, let's go forward. Mm. There's no looking to ball play or hesitate a little bit. It's just get the ball, truck it up. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I thought they missed him. Oh, How good was the left edge battle? Uh, Bunnies left, Broncos right. That Stags and Cobbo yeah. versus Tass and AJ. So the good. whole game going to a plethora of talent. Yeah. So unreal attacking plays. The defence was pretty brilliant on both ends. Mm. It was good. Oh, mate, so good. Matty, what do you think? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. Like, obviously... The errors aren't the reason the South lost because Broncos made the same amount of errors. And as you said, you had two, two sin bins. But if we're looking at our own backyard, we can't, you can't be making that many errors. It was especially like so many errors inside their own half as well. It was really, really tough to watch and really frustrating. As you said, it, didn't, it seemed like they didn't have another gear, which is so weird because South have some of the most multidimensional attack in this comp. It was such a strange game. Um, I think early in the first half, I thought South started really well. And then Broncos, they just started offloading and playing a lot of second phase, which really upset South's defense a bit. And then, yeah, I, I thought Broncos were better in, in pretty much every way. But as he said, because of the errors and everything, I think there was just about a 15, 20-minute period in that second half where the Broncos absolutely blitz South. And South are the best second-half team in the NRL this year. And Broncos absolutely wiped the floor with them. So it was such a, such a strange game. Just two, South have had two buys this year. And most teams after the buy have been really good. Mm. South probably have saved their two worst performances of the year, that and the Cowboys games after the buy. So I'm not really sure what's going on there. But yeah, they, they, as, they do have a soft front home, but they got a lot to fix to beat any team in this competition. Yeah. Well, when you look at the stats, one that really stands out for me, uh, Broncos 35 tackle breaks, 20 tackle breaks for Rabbitohs. And that's that momentum and that offloading that really upsets um, good defensive systems, like really makes it hard to defend. Um, all right, we'll speak about the Rabbitohs first. You know, I just, they're just, most other teams, I would go, I am concerned for them heading into the finals. We've got all these other teams hitting great form. I mean, you even look at the Para Eels. I know they didn't play that well against the Cowboys, but I think their last seven games, they've gone six from seven. The Rabbitohs, you know, they're, they're really the only team in the comp. And even in their grand final year, I was saying the same thing. Everyone counted them out. When they lost by 50 points to Storm and Panthers, I was like, this is just who the Rabbitohs are. Like, they, they, can, they can lose by 50 and then go on a crazy run. And so I agree with you, Timmy. Like, even though it was a really disappointing performance, they are a team that they just can put it together. They, they're not a team that needs to be winning you know, for 70% or 80% of the season to start to go on a run. They're a team that one week can rock up and decide, you know what, and it's, you know what, a perfect year for that is their grand final year. It's honestly, it's like they rocked up one week and said, okay, everyone's on board now, let's go, let's go. I have to remember, they did that without Latrell Mitchell, the yeah. fullback. Isn't it funny, like, as you said, anyone else dishes out that tribe, you're like, oh, danger signs, like this is bad. Mm. The bunnies, it's kind of like, yeah. It was almost too bad to be true. Yeah, mate. It was fucking pretty poor. I think what helps as well is like if you compare it with the Sharks and everyone's saying, oh, the Sharks can't beat a top eight team, which is unbelievably true at the moment. South the last few weeks, you'd say, Fuck, 
you know, really out of form, whatever. But because they beat Penrith, because they beat Broncos, because they beat Melbourne in the first 10 weeks of the year, you know they can do it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. They're, they're just, I just kind of feel like this is who the Rabbitohs are. Like, sometimes you can be a reflection of your star player. And, like, what, what does Trelly Mitt do? He's a big game player that he'll, he can chill. E- even in a game, he'll chill for 20. And then when he needs to turn it on, yeah. boom, he's the best. Literally, he's arguably one of the best we've ever seen when he turns it on. That's yeah. how good he is. And I think that they kind of reflect that a little bit. They didn't look to me, the Bunnies, on, on Friday night, like a side that wanted to get into the grind. Mm. Um, mm. And that's sort of Matty alluded to. We know they can. And when they have to, they will. But... They didn't on Friday night. Yeah. Uh, Campbell Graham is a really good example of their game. Like, he started the game, I think, pretty poor. Like, he had a couple errors or whatever. Mm. But, geez, he warmed his way into the game. By the end of the game, I can see, I thought he had a really good game. Um, but, yeah, it was just a little bit too late as well. Some of that late fight back that I saw. Um, in regards to good performances, like, it's always good to see Alex Johnson go for a try. Uh but there really wasn't, you know, outside of maybe Jai Arrow and Cam Murray obviously working his ass off as he always does every week. Um, there wasn't really anyone that played well. Like, you know, Cody Walker had a quite a few errors. Uh, yeah, I thought Jai Arrow was really good, to be honest. I Arrow loved his was aggression. outstanding. Yeah, I loved his aggression and just kind of like, he gets lost a little bit in that forward pack and all the superstars they have in that squad. But, you know, Jai Arrow is a, a year in, year out. Uh, origin player like the only reason why he missed origin this year was probably because he was injured now it's going to be tough to get back into that squad well he, he he played game one yeah yeah and then he got injured the best sign there's 67 minutes for him as well as a bloke yep. who does you know have seems to always have lingy injuries uh 67 minutes good not yeah. and, and like and as i said that was his first game back in seven weeks yeah so he had a, he had a fantastic game like as as you said south was gone very lateral all night he was the one bloke that was head down ripping and going forward he was he was fantastic well, he, he essentially ran for the most metres of anyone on the field for the Rabbitohs with only Campbell Graham, you know, running for 130 metres. So that's how much he was ripping and tearing on the edge there. Um, so really hard to comment on in regards to the Rabbitohs. I, I will say Lockie Elias, I think he hasn't really kicked on this year the way we kind of thought. I thought he was outstanding last year and especially heading into the back of the year. I thought he just played some really, really good footy and you thought, you know, I cannot wait to see the next few years. Now, I don't think he's been poor, but I also don't think that he has continued on the same trajectory as he was last year. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, and the test will be now, as I said, like we're saying, they can make the four, but they still got to make the top eight as yeah. it sits. They're sitting outside the eight. What can they... I think they're going to get a lot of confidence from this soft run home. And I, and I do see them putting some scores on sides and really bolstering that for and against. Mm. I can see them winning some games with 30 plus points. Mm. And maybe I've got false belief in them. But I just think that they were so good early on in the year. As Matty said, they, they were, I think, premiership favourites so yeah, for a while. Yeah. They were missing players through origin. They've had a few injuries, Latrell being the big one. I do think they come home strong. So mm. I think they can bolster that for and against well enough that they can even maybe sneak into the four on for and against. But uh, you're right. Lockie Elias is one that needs to step up back end of the year and see what he can do come finals time. Should they get that far, got to do it first. And uh, look, it was around this time last year where he just kicked on and just was outstanding. So um, and it, uh, you have to be patient as well. Like we talk, how often have we talked on the potty and also specifically this year? All the best sevens are 30 years and older. Mm. You know, Lockie Ellis is what, 22, 23. You've got to give these guys time to find their feet, 
you know, you got to give them time to find who they are as a player and how they're going to impact games. Uh, so still plenty of uh, improvement left in Lockie. Um, outside of that, in regards to, you know, <clears throat> I thought Keon was pretty quiet. You know, the, the last thing I would want for Keon is to have such a great uh, New South Wales debut and then go quiet the rest of the year because you almost <coughs> owe it to your team to not do that. Um, and I think also he's proven to us he is at the tippity-tippity-top of forwards in the NRL. Now it's up to him whether he wants to stay there or not, you know? That's up to him whether he wants to still be considered by the end of the year uh, as a top-tier back rower uh, because he was outstanding for New South Wales. Yep. Outstanding. 15 uh, handling errors for the Bunnies. Yeah, really it's a tough. Lot. It's like, it's, it's strange because it's like, you look at that and you go, oh, that's why they lost. And then you go look at the Broncos and you're like, holy shit. That's it. It surprised me. Like watching the game, I thought Barney's completion horrific. I, when you said the Broncos were worse, I couldn't believe Crazy. it. Crazy. I think as well, to be fair, Rabbitohs were like really crucial. Yeah. Like crucial times, crucial moments. Whereas Broncos did a really good job of just this 20-minute period of going, and they do it bloody all the time, where they go, oh, crap, we need to win this game. And they just all turn up, and it's just super hard. They just go on this crazy run. The momentum's crazy. The speed of the ruck is crazy. The line speed's crazy. And they just put teams to the sword. On the Broncos and on that, the line speed, there was a moment that stood out to me that I went, all right, we got a premiership sides on our hand here. Five minutes to go, they were down a man. They kicked deep. They pinned the bunnies on yeah, their line, and they were flying off their line. Yeah. This is two periods where they had to play down a man. Mm. The line speed was outstanding, mm. and I went, "Oh, geez, we got a side on our hands." Yeah, and that's why they're they're really starting to find some DNA now. I know the rest of the comp will think will word this differently, but I think it's the Broncos have always been known for like unbreakable confidence where you're just like they're so fucking confident now the rest of the comp would call that arrogance <laughs> um but it's 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 a real like you know we gave an aura of thinking that we were better than everyone else and i know like oh you shouldn't think you're better than us oh this is a professional sport like every every team thinks they're better than the other team and i think that you're starting to see that with the broncos where they genuinely like no we believe that we are just a better rugby league side than you like and even little things like that in defense to go Game's done, five minutes to go, and go, we just want to fucking bash this. Like, we got no reason to do it. We could get normal line speed and just get the job done. No, nah, we just want to be arrogant and bash this. And that's kind of what they did. And I love that shit. The proof's in the, uh, the, proof's in the pudding when it comes to arrogance. Everyone calls the Panthers arrogant, and look what they've done the last three years. you you, gotta, just, you, gotta, you gotta have that, that arrogance about you. You've got to have a bit of swagger, a bit of arrogance. Now, there's, there's the difference between arrogance in the way you play and arrogance in the way you act. And I think that, um, you know, most of the Panthers players are so good off the field that it's fine. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say the Broncos and the Panthers are close yet in regards to like, I think the, oh, the Panthers have kind of tamed it down a little bit. But when they were in there, like, mate, they were quiet in your face. I don't think the Broncos are there yet. But I do think that they play with a certain sense of like, we just know that doesn't matter where we are in this game, that we can win it kind of thing. And that, that's very Broncos, that's early, that's late 90s, early 2000s, Kevy Walters Broncos side, where every game they're just coming out going, we're just better than you, we're yeah, just better it, than you. It works real well till you uh, lose six on the trot and miss finals. <laughs> I don't think that, I don't <laughs> think that were the, the Broncos there. This time last year, Kempy, it all started to go downhill. Oh, wow. Before you knew it. Yeah, with the rest of the battlers. It hurt him. As a Raiders fans, it hurt him that, you know, he had a terrible performance on the weekend, got dusted. He has to bring the Broncos hey, down. 
you put us into the finals last year, so I'm eternally grateful. No, I, I think that we're we're seeing. You know, this is the they've been longer together. They're genuinely playing like Broncos players, whereas I think that their DNA wasn't quite there yet last year. Whereas this year, I think they've found their DNA. They've found their swagger and their confidence. Um, I mean, look, they, I don't even think they can. Can they mathematically even fall out of the eight? Could you imagine? Um, God. I mean, I'm yeah, sure mathematically they so could. So 32, 24. Four clear. Well, more than four. Uh, so 24 is eighth. So and what's ninth, that? yeah. So four games clear. And they have a buy to come. Yeah, got a buy in yeah, a few weeks. So they're, not, they're not dropping out. No. They're not dropping out. Um, look, look, if they haven't proven that they, they can win against the Doggies without most of their – or a lot of their players, go and beat the Rabbitohs the way they did, like – yeah, I think that this Broncos side, they're finally hitting the, I guess, potential that we thought that they could hit a few years ago. Um, and I think Kevy's done a really good job at putting DNA back into that jersey. Um, now, in a perfect world, as I've always said, I wish they were a little bit grindier. But look, you'll take your wins where you can get them. As devastating as that was last year for the Broncos fans, the, the silver lining is, that's at the forefront of their minds. Like, they... Yeah. they, they they, that would have stung them so bad, and they know, okay, we can't do that again. So yeah. as bad as it was, you don't think that you don't well, expect it to happen again. It reeked of a, a young side that wasn't fully developed to where they needed to be yet. It reeked of a side that played so well during the season, then thought everything would else just would fall in place because they dominated for you know most of the season. Um, whereas this new side that's a year older, a year longer under Kevy, um, basically, because what this is Kevy's second year, third year. Um, you know, basically got to a point where they go, no, it's not just going to fall into place. It's not going to fall into place. Uh, so, look, really, really exciting for the Broncos. I think that I personally thought that that win against the Warriors showed us that they're a different side this year. The fact that they could have all those players out and still get the job done. Um, but so I'm pretty sure they play the Roosters next week yep. on Thursday. Yes, they night at the Gabba. That'll be really, really uh, tough class because the Roosters are going to come in with a lot of confidence. They love playing the Broncos. Yeah, and Roosters are must win for the rest of the year. Pretty much, so. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, just trying to get this up here. Uh, yeah, Reese Walsh's performance was outstanding. And I just love the fact that he was that crook. He apparently he spewed up like seven or eight times, still went out and played. You know. Shifted to the wing for a while. Mm. Gave Cobo a stint at fullback just because he was cooked. Mate. Hey, when, when I saw Cobo at fullback, I was like, that doesn't make me feel any better. <laughs> and then the game was in the balance, so they moved Reese back. And then, boom. All those, what about the try he nearly scored, that line break? Oh, God. Oh, when he, and it, yeah, I think his leg just went out. Foot just went Far out. out. He is just – talk about an excitement machine. That tunnel ball he threw to Cobo, I think oh, it was. Mate. Oh, God. That was freakish. So good. Um, yeah, so – Broncos, really, really exciting. We've always spoken about Stags. Uh, anything else? Anyone else starting out for you guys, Broncos? All good, mate. Now, on to the next game. Roosters defeat the Titans. Um, <coughs> yeah, look, I mean, talk about a game of two halves. Uh, Roosters, easily their best performance of the year. Uh, they were really, really good in the first half. Titans, jeez. Just when you think they've turned a corner in regards to grittiness, like they'd been probably the longest period they've been gritty for, they get blown off the park. Uh, I'm still not convinced with the Roosters, though, because then they came out in the second half and essentially lost the second half, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they did. Um, yeah, still not convinced with the Roosters. Really good win. 
Teddy outstanding. You know, it's it's almost feels unfair to be critical because they get a big win against the Titan side that you know is around the the ninth to tenth mark. Uh, I think it's above them on the table actually, but I'm still not convinced to be honest. Yeah, definitely not. Outstanding first half, and continuing that, I'm missing Crichton, Radley, Sammy Walker, Tupanua, White. So still plenty of big names out. Hopefully for Roosters fans in the club itself, it's just the injection of almost arrogance back into them to go, this is what we're capable of when we're on. How good a football side that we can be. Oh, so they can be arrogant, but the Broncos can't. Mate, I don't like either of them. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, like, Almost a reminder of what yeah, they're capable yeah, sure. of. Because Absolutely. we haven't seen in a long time. That first half is the first time in a long time that you've gone, this is what the Roosters can do. Uh, on the flip side with the Titans, it was like, oh, so disappointed for them because they, they seem to have developed a, a bit of more of a steely, grittier side in them recently. I'm not saying they're tough as teal, but they've been a lot better. And then just to have it, what, 30 points in that first half, you just went, has it all just unraveled in the space of one game? Now, they came back and put on a far better second-half performance, but the game was dead and buried by that time. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's, uh, it's almost like uh, worst timing ever for the Titans to fall back into their old habits mm. and for the Roosters to fall back into their old habits, which are winning big footy yeah. games, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like a, a perfect storm. Ten in a row, they've beaten them. Oh, mate, seriously. Uh, but yeah, with the Roosters, like as I said, it's hard to get too excited with the Roosters because it's like, mate, it's been a whole season where you've just been so lacklustre. But then you go, okay, let's look at the ladder. They were one win outside the eight, and you go, fuck. Obviously, even if they make the eight at eight, that's still a disappointing year for where the Roosters should be as a squad. But I mean, if they make the eight, then they at least put themselves in the position to go on a bit of a run. Uh, but as I said, I'm just – if they had gone in on the second half and just put them to the sword, I would have said, okay, th- there's a chance that we could go on a run here. But I'm just not convinced that this squad, as it currently stands in the current environment that they're in, can play for another five to six rounds at this high standard. Well, we'll know where they're at Thursday night, won't we? Mm. They go up to Brisbane, play the Bronx at the Gabba. As close to as tough as it gets outside of probably Penrith in Penrith at the moment. Season's on the line. and like Not only do they need sort of win to keep their season alive, but if they can knock off Brisbane up there, you go, all right, they're, they're turning a corner. But, yeah. you know, you can't take too, too much out of the Titans' performance. I've got to say, though, I, I'll be tipping the Broncos by a big margin this week because even though the Roosters had a fantastic first half, their attack this year's been really bad. And what's kept them above the real bottom teams is at least they've defended better than, like, the Bulldogs and the Tigers and the Dragons. The, I just think the Broncos are going to have way too many points for them. For yeah. sure. And you look at their run home, they've got to play the Broncos, Eels, Rabbitohs, Manly, uh, Tigers. They essentially have to win every one of those games. I just can't see them doing Pretty that. Pretty well. Um, now, well, the, the, the problem with the ladder for the Roosters is, is that it's not just like one team that is on 24 points. You, they essentially would need like four or five teams to have a poor run and them have a really good run. I just don't know what that and, is. And their for and against is really poor. Yeah. So terrible. that doesn't help. And, and that's like a performance like the week where they're up 30 nil at half time and you go, all right. What a chance to go for our for and against. Yeah, a chance to go and screw it. Turn the afterburners on. Let's make it 60. 
strip another 30 off that negative 88.4 again, start building, start building. But as I said, even if they do level up with an eighth place team, that 400 is probably going to bring them undone. Well, I just can't see, basically, you would, they would need sea eagles, knights, rabbits, and eels to all just completely yeah. implode. Yeah, like the bunnies, so I've mentioned their draw before. I don't see them missing the eight, so someone else up there is going to have to implode. Yeah. Um, two of the top eight will for them to get in if the bunnies that's, can that's go. That's what I mean. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Two of the top eight need to basically implode, uh, and the roosters need to essentially be perfect nearly. Yeah. Just don't know if that... It's a lot. It's, it's a lot to ask. So, look, let's, we'll talk about the positives in regards to the individual performance because, as I said, it seems really harsh to kind of not be too excited or happy about it. But I, I don't believe it's too harsh because it's like I'm judging them off the season that they've had. If we just went game by game, then you're not really giving a good, I guess, analysis on it. You're just going game by game. But you need to factor in the fact that they've been so poor. Anyway, the positive. Let's get to the positives. The Roosters, positives were Tedesco was outstanding. Uh, Hargreaves just winding back the clock. But I thought probably the real positive out of all of it, the biggest positive, was Brandon Smith. Mm. You know, played really well and showed glimpses or signs that, you know, maybe, not maybe, he does have a place in this side. He does. It can work. It's just a matter of making it work. And I thought that he was definitely his best game of the year. In 72 minutes as well. Yeah. So I turned out big game time and it was, it was easily his best game of the year. Yeah. And so that's a really good sign that their main signing is starting to like find his place. I have to remember as well, like I know they ended up winning the comp, so it's a very different comparison. But Teddy did struggle the first half of that 2018 season. It did take him a little bit mm. to get used to the Roosters' way. Yeah. Um, Teddy just being a champion, just a reminder, talking about like, uh, analysing a bloke on just the highest standards. Mm. Since round 12, he's played six games and obviously started the season quite slowly. He obviously had the Origin 1 and 2, which were ordinary by his standards, mm. by anyone's. They were pretty poor games, to be fair. But six games since round 12, he scored seven tries, four tries, assists, 39 tackle breaks, six line breaks. He's run for 197 metres plus in five of those six games. The last two games, 299 metres and 230 metres. Like, that's a bloke going, I'm down on confidence, I'm out of form, boom, I'm going to strike back. Yeah, absolutely. Such a gully. He was brilliant on the weekend. It's just such an interesting spot Teddy finds himself in his career. Like, you know, does he – he's, what, 30, 31? Does he bounce back and play for another three or four years? And, you know, I say bounce back, but even Teddy at 80% is better than most fullbacks in the competition. So he's 30. So He'll I guess that – the, the tough thing against Teddy or, you know, that's not working for him is the fact that he's such a physical player and you can only play that physical kind of game for so long. I just, I'm trying to think of any player that's had a long career that's just been pure physicality in the outside backs. Mm. Uh, you know, a lot of them, they start their career very physical and then by the end of it, they become ball players. Whereas Teddy, he's been a rare exception that, you know, he's stayed physical the whole time. It's like even, you know, you look at Mini, Minicello, you know, his body gave out a couple of years there, yeah. you know. So, uh, going to be interesting to see. But this is why Teddy's a champion. Every, you know, even when he's having a week off, he's in the headlines. Like, even when he's not playing, he's in the headlines. And he turns around and he puts on that performance. Another guy I want to give a rap to. And also, I think that, you know, Trent Robinson probably needs, uh, I guess, accountability or whatever, if you, if you would call that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not the one on Trent Robinson accountable. But, you know, Suwali'i on the wing. I think that it's been pretty clear for a long time that Suwali is a winger and not a centre. Oh. 
Uh, and it was probably his best game of the year on the sting. Uh, and I think Robbo, you know, fair play to Robbo for making that adjustment and putting him back to the wing. But surely they keep him on the wing now. Yeah, like I'm, I'm not naive about the way the stats work, but it was the second time all season that he's run for over 134 metres. You're on the wing. You run for more metres than you do at centre. I yeah. get that. But, but that's what he's good at. <clears throat> that's his strength, his yeah. yardage, his aerial contest. He mm. gets these one-on-one aerial contests, which we saw him score off on the weekend. Even at centre, you get some aerial contests, but there's mm. often more blokes in there. You get the one-on-ones in the air on the wing. But, yeah, 231 metres, he, he looks so much better on the wing, doesn't he? Oh, so much of it. Like, just looks natural. Just yeah. fits him. He looks more comfortable. So, really happy for Joe, um, Joseph Suwali'i there, because I thought that was definitely his best game of the year. Um, Hargreaves. Far out. He just doesn't stop. <laughs> he just doesn't stop. It is amazing, the fact that he is 33 or whatever. And that's where we go, like, there's no outside back that have relied on physicality for the game. We're talking about a 300-gamer. He's 300-plus game, games, isn't he? In the front row. Mm. The front row and pure physicality. He's not known for his ball playing. He's not known for he's known for being the most physical player on the field. He's almost 294. 294. In the front row. Has he ever played any other position? I don't think so. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, 61 best. minutes, 20 runs, 200 meters, 73 post contact, 37 tackles. He he started not not just bench, started front row 251 times in his career. Wow. That is fucking unbelievable. You know how mentally tough you have to be to do what he's doing? His body would be hanging by a thread. It just physically couldn't be out of hand. Like it, the amount of Ricos he would have had and all that kind of stuff, clean outs. Fucking amazing, man. Still coming on, turning games with his aggression. Uh, Lindsay Collins, the big fella. He was outstanding. The, what about the big... I'll tell you what. one thing with Lindsay that he doesn't get... He's quite agile for how big he is. Like when he put the afterburners on to score that <laughs> yeah. try, like he was... Like, you just don't see many front rowers as big as he moved like that outside of maybe Payne Haas. I was fucking shocked. That try was so boss, wasn't oh. it? Stormed through about five blokes. He's arguably the greatest bloody front row try scorer of all time. <laughs> and try assist. Yeah. Bloody hell. I'll tell you what I loved about the Roosters on the weekend. They, I, lo- I don't know who sent the message, whether it was someone in the leadership group or if it was Trent Robinson or someone, but they all had like post-try celebrations ready to go. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like they've, they've sat there and gone, guys, we have a chance to get 10K to charity every time we score a try. Yeah. Make sure we do it. Yeah. Yeah. Penrith are really good at it as well. That's yeah. like they've, they've all got something prepped and ready to go. Yeah, Why miss it. this opportunity? Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. Another shout out to Nat Butcher. We talk about toilers. Like that's, you know, going back to our Dragons chat. Like you need guys like Nat Butcher in your side. This is his stats for the game. 80 minutes, a try. 125 metres, 46 post contact, one tackle break, 50 tackles, only one miss. Nat and Egan were both terrific. Egan had yep. a try and an assist in the first 10, 15 minutes of the game, linking up with Teddy there. That They were, you could argue, along with Teddy, probably their two best players, not far off it. And I still think they're better middle forwards, but mm. they're playing, I'd argue, yeah, again, out, out of their position. I, I honestly think Nat Butcher might get their player of the year. I think he's been a shining light for them in a tough yeah. year. I mean, there's no one else that really stands out, is there? Yeah, like, I just think that he's mm. been their most consistent player. You know, like, you look at, obviously, Teddy's stats and you go, well, statistically, he's still yeah. killing it. But, you know, he hasn't had the year that he had in yesteryear. Yeah, no knockback at all. I, I think Nat Butcher, 
if he's not look i think he'd be in the conversation for mm. sure and i think that the only other name i'd probably throw up is hargraves but I, I don't i definitely don't hate the butcher chat at all yeah look to be honest i think butcher's been their most consistent player all year long yeah no one stands out do they? yeah like that's how poor the year's been yeah. but i actually think that butcher has been like playing close maybe not his career best but close to his career best footy and also in a year where like they've just needed someone to just play every position be tough as anything mm. he's done that uh so nat butcher's been outstanding even like even like he's try like he's the one supporting teddy yeah yep like he's an absolute toiler but he's, he's doing those little things as well Mate, fantastic uh now onto the titans um super disappointing like good on them for fighting back and you know getting a respectable sc score but wow talk about taking 10 st steps forward and five oh. back just so disappointing they'd come so far yeah i know they hadn't been getting the results the last few weeks but geez i'd been so excited with their performances you know the last few weeks even though they've been losing and then they dished that up at home Far it almost looked back square one, didn't yeah. it? And hopefully it's just a, a one-off game. But, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but they weren't far a full strength either. Tino was out, obviously an enormous loss. Yeah. Speaks itself. But, you know, Foz is back and firing. Fafita's there playing his big minutes. Brimo's back. Like, there wasn't – they weren't missing too, too many. I know. Like, they're still completed Jermaine at a decent Jolf rate. Out. They just They just defensively had too many, like, just lapses. Just, like – they defend really well for four tackles or three tackles mm. and then boom just one person would clock off and then all of a sudden there's a try um you even look at their they missed essentially the same amount of tackles had essentially the same amount of tackle breaks eight five, uh, line breaks to five you know <clears throat> same post contact it's just these real crucial moments of just completely switching off I think they're not that this made it probably an impact to their defensively speaking too much, but I just they're really missing a strike right edge back rower. They're such a left edge dominant side, the Titans, with you know Follows, Fifi, Cam Pereira, who have mm. been untouchable at times. But their right edge really battles that they've sort of gone between Joey Stimson, who, who's certainly done a solid job there. Well, they lost some. Um Fermor, such a loss, yeah, wasn't massive it? He was loss. so good. I forgot about Fermor. Yeah. Like Cleese Haas has come in, and, and there's a bright future for Haas, but like he's run for 146 metres in his last 320 minutes of footy coming into this game. He had nine runs for 75 metres on the weekend. <coughs> that was comfortably his best across his last four games. I actually found an interesting stat. I was looking up some numbers around left and right edges this season, and one that really took me by surprise. When we look at left versus right edges, Pretty irrelevant, but interesting enough. Yeah. For the first time in five seasons, there are more teams where the right edge has been more dominant than the left. So this wow. season, 10 of 17 teams are scoring more tries down the right edge than the left. Look back at 2022, only three of 16 teams were scoring more down the right than they were on the left, which makes sense. Like yeah. Naturally, growing up, players are more comfortable passing right to left, running left into right, all that sort of mm. stuff. Um, but yeah, I just was like, first time in five years, and that was the only data I had the last five years. It's probably a lot longer than that. Yeah. Right side, strong side. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's an indicator of how well-trained these players are becoming, where, you know, I remember, you know, soccer's obviously a different uh, sport, but growing up, the amount of times they would drill into me, your left foot needs to be as good as your right yeah. foot. They just drill, and it was, was one of the things that whenever I'd go away to the Queensland camps, that was the one thing they needed me. They're like, we need you to work on your left foot. You need you. And I think that there are a lot of clubs, 
are going, there can no longer be this heavy reliance on left side guys. We are professional athletes. If you're a professional athlete, your left to right should be as good as your right to Every left. Every bit as good. Yeah, and so maybe that's what we're seeing. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Whether it's an anomaly or there is, yeah, I, just, I didn't have a lot of logic to it, but maybe you're right. Yeah. Um, outside of that, positives, Aaron Clark, I thought he easily his best game. I, I have always, and maybe they're seeing something I'm not seeing. Well, not maybe, they definitely are. But I just cannot for the life of me understand why they don't keep him as 13 more regularly. I know they've tried it at stages, but he seems like the per gets through a bunch of work, good stocky ball runner, but it can also ball play. I just don't get why. I understand Isaac Liu. Now, he might have been injured. No, he wasn't. Now, he's moved back into the front row, but for a period there, they were using Isaac Liu there. I just don't know why they don't go all in on Aaron Clark and just go, mate, you're the 13. He's that prototype modern-day 13, isn't he? You yeah. said shorter, stockier, ball-playing. You think Cam Murray, Victor Radley, all these sort of blokes can get through decent minutes. It's a good part. Like, he was a hooker. So, yeah. a good passing game on him. I just if he fits the bill. I don't, I we don't saw, we, Yeah, we saw it at the back end of last year. Mm. And now this year, I think he's played lock one, started lock yeah. one game. Just give him a chance. I don't understand it. Like I, like you should. I think they should be starting Tino and Moe as their starting front row. They should have Aaron at thirteen, and then off the bench they can have um, Isaac Liu, uh, and then you know maybe uh, uh, Stimson in he, the front row. He's injured at the moment, but Jamin Jolliffe's yeah, out of as action. Well. Uh, but yeah, I just don't understand why Aaron Clark. And maybe there's you know at training, maybe he doesn't you know he plays there and it doesn't mm. seem to work or whatever. But I just think he. He was, I thought he was outstanding on the weekend for the Titans, especially in the second half. I know it was a little bit late, but at least he showed a bit of fight and was like, you know, trying to get in their face. Another guy I want to give a shout out to, Chris Randall. Yeah. Boy, super coach. Hot tip. Get on him. Hot can, tip. Can get on him. Buy of the week. Just me buy Chris of the week. Randall. Get him in there. Mate, he's been outstanding since he's moved into the forwards. Uh, he has. He has been. Jeez, if you want Kempi's Super Coach Tip of the Week, just let me know, boys. We can <laughs> new, have, new segment. New segment. It's not like we have got enough uh, experience in regards to Super Coach <laughs> on the panel. Uh, but, yeah, I think – I love Chris Randall. Um, I think he brings – he's almost like you would never – a few years ago, there's no way you'd say play forward pack. But he's like the modern, fast, hyper-aggressive. I think Ruben Cotter really started the trend, to be mm. honest, where you go, you know what, he's tough, he's a former nine – Gets through a bunch of work. He's a great defender. Let's chuck him on. I think Randall's been outstanding for him. Yeah. Uh, anyway, on to the next one. <clears throat> wow. Knights defeat the Storm. 26-18. If this wasn't a game, if this wasn't a reward for all the grittiness that the Knights have shown this year for most of the season, I don't know. I'm not here. I'm not here. This was a reward for weeks and weeks of battling and battling and battling. And they went against the Storm, who they hadn't beaten since 2015, and wanted it more, were tougher, hung on longer, were more physical. They won it through pure grit. They really did. Like, there's no one in that – I didn't watch anyone outside of maybe Frizzell. Best was pretty good. But there was no one performance-wise that really, like, exploded and was like, oh, my God, like, he was incredible. It was just the team wanting it more than the other team. Yeah. Uh, like, I'll put my hand up. Seven minutes into the game, they're down 12 nil. I thought it was fucking... Yeah. Oh, my God. I know, to be fair, I think everyone would have been the same. Just going, cool. The Knights put scores on, what was it, the Tigers and the Doggies or something. They get a decent team and, again, back to square one. Not only did they fight back to get back in the game, they won it and won it relatively comfortably, you'd say. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what a terrific win for them. You talk about like clubs going well, good for the game. How good did the atmosphere seem up at Newcastle oh, in that game? No. The crowd was going bonkers. Yeah. 
I love how G'd up the players got after the win. Like you yep. said, how badly they wanted it. You could see how badly it was like they wanted to go, no, no, like we're not going to put some scores on some lesser teams. We can compete. Uh, we can, you know, be in the hunt for finals football, which they all of a sudden are. Whether or not they can bridge themselves to get into the top eight, I don't know. But this was such an enjoyable watch. Yeah, I loved it. So happy for Knights. They've gone through so much this year and every right for them to be sitting at the bottom of the table. Like when you come, when you talk about, I mean, it was early in this year, their star fullback and captain was overseas <laughs> getting checked up as to whether he could play rugby league ever again. Now he's back, he's playing outstanding rugby league. And, you know, Adam O'Brien was on the chopping block at the start of the year. Matter of fact, you could, you could have argued that he was the closest to getting moved on at the start of the year. And you've got to give credit where credit is due. He has managed to pull this team together and just fight for every inch, for every inch, especially the last few weeks. Um, sorry, like, especially for most of the season. Like, they might have had some blips on the radar where you go, oh, that wasn't... But most of the season, they've been gritty and tough. I just... Uh, I was so happy for them, honestly. Yeah. And, like, you can build off this because... Look, I don't think they will make the eight, but... They definitely put themselves in the position to make the eight. Like, as I said, I say it each week at the moment with the Knights, and it shows you how, I guess, impressed I am with them. If you said to Knights fans, with everything that went against them, if they finished 10th, would you be filthy? They'd say, nah, I'd be happy if everything... If you said nothing went against them and they finished 10th, I think most uh, Knights fans would be like, look, not the best year, but not shocking either. Like, oh, we would have hoped to finish in the eighth. Everything that's gone against these guys, like they're missing their other captain in Braley at nine, and they just got on with it. Just got on with it. I th I'm so happy for them. Yeah, they're a point out of the eight. The next six games on the run home: Raiders, Dolphins, Bulldogs, Rabbitohs, Sharks, Dragons. The only one there that like they're all extremely winnable games if they can continue the form that they're showing. The only one there that you really cringe at and go, "Oh, like the Bunnies," even like that's up in Newcastle. If, you know, if they can keep the form, why not? But six winnable games, yeah. why can't they go on a run? Well, you look at it and you go, they beat the Storm at home. So I'd, I'd cringe more at the Storm at home than I yeah. the Rabbitohs. Be beat the Storm at home, troubled Penrith, took them to Golden Point, nearly beat the Broncos, beat the Warriors. They're, they're, they're matching it with the big dogs this yeah, year, even, though, even if they're not winning every game. Yeah, I, mate, I agree. I think that Knights fans would be really proud of their squad this year. And... Look, I think that it's really important for the club going forward that they have settled with Kalen at fullback because now they can go out and recruit the people that suit what they need. Um, you know, we've spoken about it at, at, like quite a lot, but whether Phoenix does develop into the player we think he is, maybe they go out and get a nine. If Braley, you know, seeing how he goes, obviously if Braley's fit, he's that nine. You know, do they get a six? Do they not get a six? Um, they're just in a good, strong position where you go, okay, a little bit of recruitment in the market and all of a sudden they are sitting in the eight, mm. uh, which is exciting. Whereas, you know, four weeks into the season, you know, I thought they were bottom four for sure. Like no doubt in my mind, I was like, mate, this is going to be a disaster year for them. But they've made the right adjustments and they, they're sitting 10th, 10th. Um, Kalen Ponga, once again, I'm just loving his progression as a leader. Geez, he looks like a, such a mature person, such a mature player compared to, you know, the last few years. Like, he's really taken it upon himself to be the main guy for them and make sure that he's impacting games every game. Yeah. I remember sort of – I mentioned last week how I think they're very 
they should be left side dominant because of how lethal that left ear mm. edge is. And I don't detract from what I said, but there was a moment there and it was Dane Gagai coming back into the side and he had that amazing little tip on for Dom Young. Yeah. I sort of had a closer look at it. Let's com compare the pairs of these two edges. Fitzgibbon versus Frizzell, then you've got Best versus Gagai, Margie versus Dom Young. They've got strike across the whole field. Like I said, I love their left edge and I think they should continue hammering that left edge, but they can score from anywhere. Mm. Yeah. And I think that, look, I think Dom Young's going to be a, a big loss. Now, apparently they've recruited to try and fill that void and obviously Lockie Miller might be able to play there. But, geez, Dom Young and Greg Marju, Greg Marju especially, you know, I think he's been outstanding this year. Yeah, okay, defensively might have a few reads here or there, but, geez, he's consistent in attack. Like, he will bang out 150 to 200 metres every single game. Yeah, I got some good numbers around, around Marju's defence and this is... So pleased to be able to read these numbers out, and it only tells you know a small part of the story, a glimpse of the pictures, as we know. But the store, so they're coming into the season. We sat there and went, "Why is Greg Marshall not playing more?" Well, we didn't. We're like, "It's because of his defence. Mm. Pretty poor defensive reads, few missed tackles, yada yada." Their left edge this season is conceding only thirty percent of their tries compared to the right edge being forty three percent. You know, granted, Dom Young's not necessarily been known for his defensive prowess either, but. It only gives a, like a little bit of a glimpse into the full picture of a winger. They only play a small part in mm. the, a whole defensive edge. But look at try causes. In 14 games, Greg Marju has only had eight try causes. Make of this stat what you will, but essentially contributing to a try down your edge or through you directly. That puts him 31st in the NRL for wingers this season for try, try wow. causes. And he's played in 14 games, which is pretty substantial. So... Credit to him Maybe because... Maybe the myth's gone. Cr Maybe credit, it's a myth yeah, to say now. Cr credit to him because he's gone out, obviously worked on his defence. Shout out to the Knights defensive coaches, Adam O'Brien. You know, we want to see him keep it up, but it's... Oh, so pleased to read that out. I love to hear that. I love to hear that. And I love to be able to have a podcast where, you know, even we're guilty of it, where we, we're almost waiting for him to have a poor read because we're so, you know, that's the opinion that we had at the start of the year. But to be able to hear that start and be able to let everyone know, like, these are the reality. Like, maybe he no longer can be tarnished with that, but his defence. Maybe it is. No, he's just a bloody good winger now. Not at the moment, we yeah. can't. Nah, it's so good to see. He is so crucial. The game that he didn't play, geez, they missed him so much. I think it was about three or four weeks ago. Um, and to be that crucial to the side, he wouldn't be on that much coin, I don't think. No. And you look at that back line. I personally believe that backline at its best, and I know Dom Young's leaving, but let's just assume he's staying. That backline is best is can be as good as any backline in the comp. It's incredible. Yeah. When they're on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in regards to um, you know other players, Tyson Brazil, geez, hasn't he? A, a f like I actually think since signing at the Knights, he hasn't had a bad year in my opinion. Now there's been years where he's been just solid, and obviously had some injuries here or there, but this year is definitely his best year. He's been great, hasn't he? Like he fought his way back in Origin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and just the, I guess, just the point of attack and difference that he brings to them, to be able to throw to him and just go, you know what, we're just going to throw it to Tyson. He's going to get his quick play of the ball or good metres and we're just going to move forward off that. Mm. So important. They've got like, they're, playing, they're so excited to watch at the moment, the 90s. They're throwing the ball around. There's a lot of second phase play, but there's just... They'll do a lot of crabbing across field and going around <laughs> looking fronters, but there's 
Body's in motion all over the place. If someone is crabbing across field, someone's coming underneath, mm. there's blokes running lines outside, the the effort areas are all f- there for all to see. Like, yeah. they're... Oh, I'm loving watching the Knights. Yeah, I think it's incredible. And I think Hastings hasn't got anywhere near the raps that he deserves this year. Mm. You know, imagine this side without Hastings. Mm. Imagine, you know, I ha- I'm sorry, Tigers fans, but imagine if he was still at Tigers. Yeah. There's no way they're on the bottom of the table. I'll tell you that right now. There's no way that a team that stacked with Hastings at seven is on the bottom of the table. So we've said with the Tigers all season, just crying out for a good organising number seven, level head. Imagine him and Laurie yeah. at six. Like, like I, I, I go as far to say as maybe they're sitting 10th and Knights are sitting 14th, you know? Could change plenty. And not just for this year. Now the Tigers need a seven for next year. Desperately. Yeah. Desperately. I think, uh, like, we've obviously been for... You know, obvious reasons, pretty critical of, of the Knights' middles, their pack in the last two years, because on paper it's been terrific, but they haven't been getting results. Adam Elliott uh, injured in round one this season, came mm. back round 11, building into full match fitness and whatnot, bigger minutes, and he just ties up. So when we, when we talk about effort <coughs> areas, things like you're on the ground after a tackle, racing up to get back to marker, mm. you know, chasing across to give your half cover when, when they're going attacking wide. His effort areas are so good, Adzi, yeah. and I think we've seen a much more solid Knights pack as a whole yeah. with him back to full fitness and playing games. Well, you look at four packs that could absolutely use a guy like Adam Elliott. It's like the Bulldogs and, you know, teams like the Bulldogs where you go, you just need a gritty forward. Like, he may not have the crazy stats, he may not have the highlights, but he just brings blokes with him. When he's in the defensive line and he's yelling constantly, oh, get up, he, come with me. One of the best talkers in the game. It's so important. Like, what we know, like, Paddy Carrigan's close to the best and that infamous video of him mic'd up on field and talking so his forward Adam does the same thing so horny um, <laughs> anyway <laughs> uh, so yeah really happy for the Knights I, I think it's and like the move again Adam O'Brien deserves the credit the move mm. for Hastings across to the other side <laughs> ever since then they've been outstanding and all, they, like Bradman Best has just completely been unlocked because Hastings, I think Hastings hasn't got enough credit for the, t- the way the night's been going. I really don't. Um, now, onto the storm. Really, really disappointing. Holy. Um, yeah. Look, they'll finish in the top eight. And, you know, if they had any other colour jersey on, you'd go, yeah, good year. But the storm have set such a high standard for themselves. You know, unfortunately, the performance on the weekend, that wasn't worthy of a Storm jersey. Uh, and that's a, I'm saying that as a compliment to the Storm jersey. I'm not saying it as, you know, trying to have a crack at anyone or whatever, but the Storm jersey is synonymous with toughness, desperation, standards higher than any other team in the competition. And unfortunately, it just wasn't there on the weekend. Yeah, I think one thing that's probably reinforced on the weekend was just we've been a little bit critical of their, their forward pack this season. Probably, we say it every week, but just being a middle forward short. And I think that the stat that sort of backs that up this week was Harry Grant having four runs for 38 metres. Mm, wow. That does not happen very often. And yeah. if that's happening, you've, you've got to ask questions of, you know, the speed of the play of the ball yeah. and the go forward that they're getting. And again, that's a credit to the Knights pack because they got on top of Melbourne. But yeah, that really stood out to me. And like you could even tell, like as soon as uh, Nelson went off, I think in the first half, the go forward just completely collapsed. On the uh, the, the NAS, the soft Solomonas stats about the minutes we've been talking about, 
He, they've won four out of five since he started playing 59 minutes plus from round 11. The loss they had was to the Panthers. Uh, the only other big minute game he had this season was 58 minutes against the Warriors in round eight, which they won that. Back to 50 minutes this week. No good. Keep the big boy on. No, keep the big fella on. That, that being said, what I did see in this game was that the Knights did expl- – like because he's so big, laterally movement, it's not going to quite be there. That's the downside to playing him on the edge. I think he probably got caught out a little bit there at times on the weekend. So whether sides are seeing the sides and start to target him mm. and get the one-on-ones, I'm not sure. And maybe that's why uh, Belliac doesn't want to play him on the edge for two bigger minutes. But whether you can get 60 minutes out of him across the middle and the edge, I'm not sure. But – I mean, surely you can maybe put defenders around him that can clean up a lot for him. Mm. You know, because he'd be at four. Who would, I mean... Well, you've got Munster and Hughes who are both terrific defensive halves. So he'd be at four. Who would be on his edge? He'd be one of the front rowers. So he'd play right edge, isn't he? So Jerome Hughes. Oh, inside him. Inside him. Could be a number of blokes. Yeah, I mean, could be anyone. But I guess you could try at least to go, all right, when you can... A really good defender, just get inside Nass to just clean up any inside yeah. work. But yeah, anyway, um, it really isn't much to talk about with the Storm. Really disappointing performance, but you know the problem. I guess it's a it's a positive and a negative. But the thing is, is they've had disappointing performances like this all year long, but they've also turned it around every single time this year. So it's like. I can't be too critical because I'm pretty confident that they'll come out and have some good performances. But at the same time, that's not what the Storm usually are like. Yeah, and that's it. So you've got to give credit to the Knights when due. They would have beaten a hell of a lot of teams on the weekend. Yeah. And it's how the Storm bounce back now. It's one-off week. They got Parramatta this week down in Melbourne. That would be a corker. Oh, that'd be so good. Parramatta Eels desperate for a win. Desperate for Para a win. Para trying to stay in the eight. Storm trying to stay in the four. Both coming off losses. That'd be a great game. Um, I think the most concerning thing about Melbourne this year compared to Storm teams gone by is they, they tend to give up some leads, which is just sto- mm. so unstorm-like. Like last week against Knights, they were winning against Penrith a few weeks ago. I think earlier in the year they were beating Titans at halftime and Titans end up winning, which is just something we never see with Melbourne. So, Ryan Pappenhausen, I think he's back in a couple of weeks. Yeah, can't, can't wait. wait to see that. Can't wait. <laughs> Cannot wait to see that, the big fella. Um, it's, uh, it mean, he's been outstanding for them this year, but if, he, if Pappy can come back even at 90%, that changes a lot. And I also think that we, we have such high standards for the Storm. Sometimes we don't appreciate that, like, they're human too. Like, they're mm. people too with the same insecurities and the same worries and same as everything else. So, like... Injecting a guy like Pappenhausen might be exactly what they need as a squad. Right now, I don't think Melbourne can win the comp. If Pappy comes back, gets two games before finals, and they said looks at 85%, 90%, changes everything. But yeah, like they, they might just need that injection of, of a, a superstar that makes them just you know, square their shoulders back a little bit more. Remember, like, we're the fucking storm. Like, we're, we don't have to battle in every mm. single game. we got point scorers. Won't that be a fascinating watch, Pappy's yeah. first game oh, back? Oh, mate. Never really look forward to a Queensland Cup game more oh, in my life. Absolutely agree. Um, now, on to the next game. Uh, Cowboys defeat the Eels. Uh, look, I actually thought the end score probably flattered the Eels a little bit. Um, Let's get into it. Actually, we didn't sp- speak about the big calls in the Broncos game. Did you think... Oh, first of all, Tapao, Tapaua, so silly. So silly. Oh, my God. Lifting his knee like that, and he'd already been given a letter not to do it. 
Um, yeah, silly as I'm, I'm, I'm. Have they talked? I said what he's going to get yet. Three weeks. You got three weeks, mate. He's honestly, he's pretty lucky. He could have been a send off and it, more. It could have been more. Well, what we but, talk about what's the term you and Guru always use? Uh, um, refereeing on optics. If he collected Campbell Graham's jaw there and put in 15 pieces, he gets about eight weeks. Mate, probably more. Probably more. Probably more, like 12. Like, he'd already been given a letter yeah. to stop. <clears throat> um, oh. Yeah, so, yeah, look, I think really silly for him. I think he's lucky to get three weeks. Like, I wouldn't have gone too crazy because he, you know, didn't end up hitting his head, but very silly decision by Tapua, which is it sucks because he's had such a great year for the Broncos. He really has. The other one, I'd love to get your thoughts. Did you think Jesse Arthurs was 10 in the mid? <sighs> Run me through it. <laughs> so Blake Taft falling to the so Blake Taft ball out the back falling to the ground. Yeah, and he collects him high. Hit him, hit him late. Not really late, like as he's passing the ball. That's right. <laughs> to me, it's to me personally, that's not a ten of the bin. Like, what is he supposed to do in that situation? I mean, just on the fact that they bin them nine times out of ten these days, mm. probably be consistent. You do. Yeah, and I know, Matty, you think that it was um, 10 in the bin. I don't think it was, and I think that some have gotten away with it. You know, there's screenshots of head highs all throughout the weekend, and it's just, honestly, if it looks bad, you're going. Yeah. If it doesn't look bad, as in, like, if the player just bounces straight back up and you're all good, you don't. But anyway, now, <clears throat> sorry. Now to the Cowboys game. I guess we'll talk about the big talking point out of that. I did not for a second, believe that Valentine Holmes should have been sent 10 in the bin. I really don't. Well, if, he's, if he got sent for 10 in the bin, Moses should have been HIA. That's what I was going to say, because it's supposed to be yeah. direct and forceful contact to the head. If that was a direct hit to the head, Moses is getting stretched off. I agree. I wouldn't bend him. Like, I just... it's We are refing purely on optics. It was a big hit. It looked dramatic. But the only touch of the head, in my opinion, was when Moses' head come forward. And then back. Moses was fine. He got up. He was sweet. He was all good. I just... Falling into a bit as well, hey? Like, it was very low yeah, when I, the content was made. Penalty, look, if you want to give a penalty, because that's where we're heading as a game, where if it looks bad, we just give... It was a, what happened? I, I hate... Was it the Sharks game where it just looked bad, so they just gave a penalty? And the replay showed no contact. I, I, I hate that, let's say, it does slip up off the shoulder and clips on the head. That there's, There seems to be no line between it can just be a penalty, it has to be a bin if there's contact with the head. I get what they do, what they're doing. We speak about it every week, but like, why can't it just be a penalty? I, why does it have to be a symbion every time? I don't get it. That, not like, every incident is the exact same. Exactly. And also, like, we're not appreciating how tough 10 minutes in the bin is for a side. Um, so I think the judiciary charge... Um, kind of proves your point because if he shouldered Moses in the head, he would have got a month. Yep. He got a he got a grade one careless high tackle, which is probably unlucky anyway. Yeah. It absolutely reflects that. Mm. Of course, like, like of course it does. What if Cowboys <clears throat> lose that game because he's off for ten? It's just there's too much slipping through the cracks. There are too much slipping through the cracks in my opinion. Anyway, Cowboys Eels, uh, geez, Cowboys first half especially looked outstanding. Uh, Scotty Drinkwater. Once again, with just a vintage performance, did and steering the chip around far out, he's becoming crucial to that side. Um, yeah, like Scotty Drinkwater, he is just getting better and better each week, and his silkiness, you see it each week. Just like even even the, his try with Chad Townsend, 
that wasn't a set play. That was just a guy yeah. crabbing across field and Scotty Drinkwater just identifying something and just going for it. Split straight through. Running out of superlatives for him. Hey, like the form he's in. Like we, we feel like we're just saying the same things week in, week out. But have you seen a player play with more confidence than him? Like even these, his passing game, particularly his long passing game, oh. is just sublime. And he just throws it without a fear in the world that he's going to misdirect it or mistime it or overthrow it, underthrow it. It just hits the target every single time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to be honest, it's like a little bit like the way Cody Walker ball plays. Just these crazy plays that he only has millimetres to land it. Otherwise, it's an intercept and he gets it every time. Cody Walker occasionally gets one wrong. Yeah. I feel like Scotty, he's just going through this such rich vein of form that nothing can go wrong. Yeah. The tide will turn one day, but at the moment, everything he does touches, turns to gold. Uh, another bloke I want to shout out, who I think has been outstanding, especially probably the last four weeks in the front row, Cohen Hess. Yeah. He's been great in just playing with hyper-aggression. And what I, I think that has really helped in his favour, he's just simplified his game. And I think he is like fully let go of former origin edge back rower and just said, no, no, this is the player I am today, which is a front rower with a lot of aggression and I get through my work. I think he's been so good for the Cowboys. Especially in a game against a red-hot Parramatta Eels pack, missing a couple of blokes, but still very, very strong. Yeah. And they lost... Who was it? Jeremiah Nanai played 40 minutes. Griffin Neem. Griffin Neem played 90. Tamalolo played 38 minutes. Played 38. And the bloke to step up was Cohen Hess. Yeah. He so shouldered good. plenty of extra load with those blokes off the field. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, devastating for Nanai. I want to know. Hopefully it's Four to six. Long-term. Four to six. So oh. if that's right, he'll be back for the finals. That's all right. They, they've got... Uh, Helam Lukey's due back either this week or next. He had a facial fracture, I believe it was. So he can come in there. I mean, the Cowboys need to win games where they are on the ladder, but if they can get more minutes into mm. him back from injury, maybe there's a little silver lining there. But in his form, it, it's a blow, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Finney Fuaki, he's really, really good too. So that would mm. give him a Like here is, as a young player coming in, when you're stuck behind guns, this is your opportunity yep. to either put pressure on them or to get a big contract somewhere else. And so I'm really interested to see how Fini Fuyaki responds to this. Um, but the only thing with Nanai, it's like, I'm like, damn, I wish I would have seen him heading into a final series just with games under his belt, heaps of confidence. Now, to be fair, last time he had time off, he came back and killed it. So clearly he has the ability to stay fit, match fit, ready to go. But it is, it is a loss heading into um, finals footy, especially as they're still pushing to stay in the eight. Like, it's not a guarantee thing at all. Yeah, um, for sure. But they've proven that they can, you know, if they get injuries, they can handle it. Um, but, yeah, the Cowboys are looking red, red hot, and uh, they're really hitting their straps at the right time. As you said, like, they, we had, they had these injuries, and Tam Lolo still only played 38 minutes. Like, to think that this Cowboys side would be looking this red hot with Tam Lolo not needing to play 80 minutes... That's how far they've come as a squad. And that's where you've got to give Todd Payton massive raps. Now, when I spoke to him on the captain's run last week, I alluded to it. I said, mate, you made some really tough calls when you arrived at the club and you're starting to see the dividends. Because we all look back, and don't get me wrong, I still think he probably was a bit too gung-ho at like putting Tamalolo mm. on kind of show <laughs> and talking about him specifically. But the intention behind what Todd Payton was trying to do, he's nailed it. He's absolutely nailed it. Did you ask, like, it's one of the great, two of the great flick, uh, flicking a switch. There was last year going from, were they bottom of the table, pretty close to it, to 
being a point away from making a grand final. And then this season again, they started the season horribly. Mm. Couldn't work out what was going on. They flicked a switch and all of a sudden now they're Premiership thirds again. Did you ask him what turned six weeks well, ago? his response was just they've got their full playing roster back. Um, mm. Which I think the implication I got was like they just had the full roster to play together for a while. Matty? Well, what I think is, and this is like full credit to Todd Payton and the Cowboys, I thought, I think we all agree, they, they started the year really, really flat. And as we know, last year they had that heaps <clears throat> defensive, like their, their whole preseason was about defense and that's what their theme was throughout the year. They started this year flat. I thought this game against the Eels, I know the Eels scored two late tries, but as we said, they lost Neem, they lost Nanai, they defended with 12. And if you look at the offloads, like, Para offloaded oh. 32 times wow. compared to six. So, like, they would have been out on their feet. So, to, to defend like they did, they would have been absolutely gassed. So, I thought it was such a great, gritty win that we would not have seen at the start of the year for the Cowboys. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I would like to know whether they had a short preseason or a too long preseason, and that's why they're a bit... You know, they did struggle with injuries and key positions start of the year, but, yeah, he, he basically... I think he's... Where he was coming from was he just he's had his roster playing week in, week out, and that's why they've kind of turned it around. Um, but, yeah, he made some tough calls. And he, basically his response to the tough calls was he wanted to, he selected players that represented Townsville. So the country, like far north Queensland, yeah, unless you represent what they're all about, um, far north Queensland people, then, you know, that didn't, like he didn't say it in this many words, but it seemed like, like you're not going to be part of the squad. So he's seen the massive dividends from that, massive dividends from that. Now, onto the Eels. Um, uh, yeah, disappointing. Disappointing. I think that, uh, yeah, they're missing RCG for sure. And, you know, that's it's a massive out. And, uh, you know, obviously Dylan Brown as well. But they've still got a roster to be able to make it a bit more competitive. Uh, I still think they're in with a chance to go on a bit of a run. But... It's getting very dangerous. It's getting dangerous. Yeah, it was really a disappointing performance. Again, scoreline probably flattered a bit by two late Mitchie Moses tries, mm. a bit of gutho brilliance, I think, for both of them. But they didn't really look in this game. Said, sure, they're missing a couple of blokes, but there aren't many sides in the competition that aren't missing a couple of key players. Dylan Brown is the big one to come back into the side. Uh, not this week, round 23, I believe he's back. But... I'm with you, Kempi. The, the, the signs are still there that they compete with anyone on their day. Mm. Mate, they're not different to last year, are they? Mm. Week on, week off. Week yeah. on, week off. But they just can't leave themselves too big a job to do. They've got a really tough run home. So Yeah, that's the, that's the thing that's going against them. Because they've actually, <coughs> I think, last eight games, they've won like six or whatever. Mm. So their record's actually pretty good the last couple of months. But this run home, is, it's arguably the toughest run home yeah. out of everyone. Look, they look so good at times. Yeah. Still question, like, I still can't make... I'd love to chat to Brad Arthur about his rotations and his bench selections. Like, Ryan Madison, <clears throat> he's played 43 and 47 minutes the last two weeks. That's missing Wiramu Greg, Regan Campbell-Gillard. We know he can do 80 minutes in his sleep, Ryan Madison. I'd be getting more minutes him, into him for starters. Surely, I mean, I personally would go, look, RCG's out. I'd chuck him in the front row. Why not? You know, he's definitely <sighs> big enough. He's fit enough. And I just say, mate, we need you to do a job for us. We need you. And he will. Whereas, you know, Ogden <coughs> started, you know, 27 minutes, which isn't that many minutes, but 
Now, surely you start Madison and you bring on Ogden for 20 minute, like for 20 to 30 minutes of just, mate, I just need you to take as many hit-ups as you can and then we'll take you yeah. off. The impact of Dylan Brown, so he cannot come back quick enough. Dion Arcee, they couldn't have asked much more of. Mm. He's been brilliant since stepping into Dylan Brown's shoes. But at the end of the day, Dylan Brown is one of the best halves in the game. Yeah. So, and I think that's um, typified or highlighted, I should say, by Micah Sevo. So I know Sevo didn't play on the weekend, but... Sevo had 15 tries in 14 games prior to getting that suspension last week. I think he was top try scorer at the time. Sevo, in the five games since Dylan Brown was out, scored one try. Wow. That's the impact Dylan Brown has on that edge. That's just in attack, yeah. let alone being, you'd argue, probably the best defensive half in the competition, close to it. Yeah, I think so. Him and Dearden. Even did that. There's a couple there. So, again, back to the try calls. I had a bit of a deep dive into it last night, but... Brown had four try causes in 13 games, which is outstanding. Uh, for reference to a few others in the game, Nathan Cleary had two in 12 games, Luai three in 15. Wow. Remarkable stats. Yeah. Uh, Jackie White and Adam Reynolds, both very good as well. But yeah, Dill Brown. So Dill Brown four in a team that wasn't even the eight. Yeah, yeah, that's the big fact. So yeah. you look at um, Cleary and Luai, obviously that's brilliant, but playing a, the best well, team in the competition. And also Cleary two, Luai three, and they're only averaging 13.5 points a game yeah. against them. Yeah. So oh, Brown in that, I said that side sitting out of the eight, not far off it, yeah, crazy. Um, yeah, so look, I, I think that they still definitely need an outside back. Um, uh, look, I, I loved Gutho's does what Gutho does. He competes until the death. Same with Mitch Moses, competes until the death. But they need to start getting it together pretty much next week. Yeah, They drop another game, it's going to be... Very hard to make that eight. Yeah, and, and in a similar position, like obviously ladder-wise to the Bunnies, but you know, well, the Bunnies have got the draw to, to come storming home. Yeah. Power up, might have to bust their ass to stay in the eight and potentially be gas coming into week yeah. one of finals. They do have a buy around 20, the week before finals. So if they can get themselves there, get the week freshen up, great time to have a buy for a final side, but yeah, what... <clears throat> Alrighty, uh, store shout-outs, Georgetown Celebrations, one of our original stockers in Newey, the great Newcastle, great bottle shop, currently has big stacks of bloke, midi and bloke lager selling for crazy prices, so get in and see Todd and Brad and grab some bloke beer. Celebrations Tamworth, huge celebration superstore in Tamworth, has always been a big supporter of bloke beer. If you're in and around Tamworth, head down and see Glenn and his team, grab some bloke beer. And super sellers in Penrith, mm. Great community bottle shop in the heart of Penrith, right next to McDonald's. Pop in, see Jared, grab some bloke beer. Let's get into it. Panthers defeat the Bulldogs. 44-18. Uh, okay, Panthers did what they thought we were going to do. Like, yep, 44 points. Looked good. Everything's great. There's two ways to look at the Bulldogs, in my opinion. There's two ways. They actually put themselves in good field position to score points. If their defence was just a little <clears throat> bit better... They would have been in this match. But we've been asking for the defence to be better all season. So I don't know how to look at it, Timmy. I don't know how to look at it, mate. I was so impressed by the ticker of the doggies. They had conceded four tries in 19 minutes, and you're thinking, holy moly, records could be broken. Going up against a full-strength Penrith side in Penrith, Nathan Cleary back for his I think it was 150th. The doggies missing everyone. Like Reed Marnie playing injured as well, came off the bench. They lost probably crook, the, yeah. yeah, Crook. They playing lost lock. Yeah, their, their best all season, Jacob Preston, lost him due to the flu as well. 
Kick-out didn't return. Fox still out. It just could have got so messy. They won the second half. Yeah. I like, say what you about Penrith and not going on with the job, whatever. The doggies were playing for a hell of a lot of pride in the back end of that, pretty much from 20 minutes onwards. Yeah. And they showed up. Well, sorry, they, did, they showed up after 20 minutes, <laughs> but like seriously. Yeah. I think that was a great effort from the doggies. Yeah, I'm still torn. Because like, I feel like your client, well, not your, but if I was to say, yeah, great performance by the doggies, it's almost the saying like, you're happy getting 44 points put on you, mm. you know? And I just think any NRL team, if you're rolling in going, oh yeah, boys, we only lost 44 to 18, what an effort. Then I just, fuck, that's low standards. I get that, yeah. but this is pretty... It's like, reality. It's the reality of where they're at. It is, and it's like it's pretty unique circumstances. They're playing against one of the best sides the NRL has ever seen. Mm. Going for three... Their short price favourites to go three premierships on the trot. They were full strength at home, and the doggies who were coming from a dark place in the last five, six years, who had half their side out to injuries... And they won the second half against them. Mm. I, I can't be critical of that. I really yeah. can't. I'm torn. I really am torn. Because as I said, they did incredibly well to win a lot of the field position. Mm. Like, think about that. They're winning mm. field possession against the Penrith Panthers. But at the same time, some of that defence was so bad. Like, so bad. It was. It was. Like, yeah. And again, I, I, I know we're probably sugarcoating things a little bit, but... I went into this game with pretty poor expectations for, for the Doggies and what they could produce. Penrith lost Isaac Tungo before the game. Uh, Taylor May's been gone since the start of the season. So pretty close to full strength. Doggies were missing Braden Burns, Jacob Preston, Viliami Kikau, Josh Adokar, Toby Sexton, Carl Oluwapu, Luke Thompson, Ryan Sutton. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, look, you, what you're, everything you're saying is reasonable. It's reasonable. I just, I just think from a Bulldogs fan perspective... They're probably sitting there going, fuck, like something, uh, give me something. Um, Do you think Bulldogs fans would be happy or disappointed coming out of this? That's what I mean. I don't know. I think a lot of them are sitting the way I'm sitting, yeah. going, geez, there's some good signs there. Like the fact that, for example, they had more percentage of possession. They had uh, time in possession longer, even though they had a worse completion rate. Uh, they had more runs. Less run metres, but, you know, you're playing the, the bloody Panthers. But not by much, only by about 150 metres. They had five line breaks against nine, but, like, five line breaks against the... So when I look at that, I'm mm. like, you, you got five line breaks against the best... <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so I look and I go, okay, if they had have had Sexton in there and they had have had a full roster and they had all that field position, all of a sudden, you know, maybe they lose 24 to 12 or, you know, 30 to 18, something like that. So when I look at it like that, I go, look, there's like a lot of promises. But then I go, yeah, but then you, when you watch the game and some of that defense, like even the first 20, like they were still the same team that first 20 in regards to it's not a, it's not a compliment to them, the fact that they didn't turn up for that first 20 minutes, you know, and yeah. then they decided to start playing after 20 minutes. So yes, they did show a lot of ticker, but still in the first 20 minutes, they just didn't turn up. They have these fade outs in defense that like have like inexcusable defensive plays like there's one i don't know who it was i actually saw Sowie do this so i'm going to do it as well nice, thanks <laughs> thanks Sowie. absolute legend Sowie. but like for example there was one and it's like this is real simple stuff so if the, if someone is crabbing across field 
you go up and out. <laughs> up. And so you keep, everything stays, you can actually see them warming up. They do it in warm-ups and everything like that. But you keep going up. So what the problem with the Bulldogs did, they just went up, out, and stood there. And then players like this yeah. lost connection, drop under, easy try. Whereas like everyone knows, all NRL players know that to stop that drop under play that was just tearing them apart, you just keep moving up together. Because what happens is, is by the time he either gets to the, the ball player gets to the player he wants to drop under, he's jamming Nathan Clear in the ribs. Or as soon as that guy gets dropped under, he's getting absolutely fucking oosed by the inside man. Whereas then you get staggered like that, and lazy, boom, big hole straight through there. And I just think that like, when I see stuff like that, I'm like, mate, that is basic stuff. Like that is just pure effort areas, which is surprising because I agree with you. Second half, effort was all there. It was all there. Um, so I'm, I'm torn with this doggy's performance. I really am. I, I think that I just want to see them with a full strength side with Toby Sexton at seven, um, you know, with um, Matty Burton at six, uh, Critter when he gets there. So I'm, I'm torn as to how I feel about this because with the reality of where their squad is, 44-18 is okay, I guess, but it's still, you're an NRL side. Anytime you get 44 yeah. put on you, it's not great. Yeah. Even, even like, for example, look at the, look what the Dolphins managed to do when they were all struggling. Anyway. Yeah, what I do know is that we need more bloke tin strategy sessions. <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic. Um, but no, mate, and you're right. Like, I don't want to sugarcoat it too much. And, and as I said, Doggies fans would be sick of saying, oh, you know, they showed tick and they had a crack in that. Yeah. I, I get that. Um, and if it was any other team in the NRL than Penrith, I would be far more critical. Mm. But Penrith do this to the best teams yeah. in the competition. Yeah. At full strength. The, the positive is it wasn't completely dire. There is a lot of positives there. Mm. That, again, I keep going back to, they won field position at times against the Panthers. They didn't just get fucking towed up in their own end. There were long stretches of them attacking the Panthers' goal line. Yeah. Now, if you throw in Toby Sexton, you throw in Adokar, you throw in Kikau, you throw in Luke Thompson, all of a sudden when they are attacking their line, they probably get an extra 12 points. They, they definitely, regardless of that though, they got to sort their defence out. Put it this way, if their defence was as good as their attack can be, that Panthers don't score 44 points, they might score 30 and it's 30-18 and we're sitting here going, yeah, that's about right. Like that's actually, you know what? You scored 18 points against a team that's averaging 13 points a game. So that's a bloody good win. Yep. Um, now onto the Panthers. Man, Ivan Cleary is a genius. And I'll tell you why. <clears throat> so <clears throat> what do we all know about the Panthers? Um, how they play. They go outside backs, heaps of hit-ups, front row, don't need to do heaps of hit-ups, we just need line speed and defence. So Ivan Cleary goes up against a coach that's formerly been with him, Seraldo. He completely changes his game plan. So he goes, hey, Fisher-Harris, I need you to have fucking 15 hit-ups in the first 20 minutes. So we would, I think it was about 25 min minutes in, maybe 30, whatever it was. So the only player, so Toto had had a line break. So you got to take away. So basically their back line looked like this. 107 metres, 52, 23, 143. That's Toto, but he had a line break. James Fisher-Harris, 145 metres already. So Ivan Cleary went into that game and said, I'm just going to switch the roles. I'm going to get our front rowers to just, just fucking run the ball as much as possible and basically completely change the game plan. And like just little details like that where Ivan Cleary just outfoxes his opponent. Knowing exactly what's coming at him. Exactly. Knowing exactly that Seraldo was going to know 
the way they play mm. and look at ways to stop that. Like Fisher Harris doesn't take 13 carries in fucking 20 minutes he usually. Went nuts he went in that nuts. first half. The second one I want to talk about, Fisher Harris. So there's always like levels to this game. So you go, okay, a guy comes into first grade. Can he just play well against any team in the first grade? At the start of the career, they do that. So Fisher Harris, he checks that box ages ago. Then can they play well in the, the solid games, the finals games? Yep, Fisher Harris checks that. Can they well play well in big games? Yep, all good. So that's where usually most team players stop. When you get into WebKey territory, it's can you play as good as you play in a grand final against the bottom of the table side? James Fisher Harris is that guy. It doesn't matter whether he's in a grand final or he's playing the Bulldogs where they literally could rock up. They know they're going to get the win. They know they're going to win. And he is ripping and tearing like it's a grand final. That's how far – like he's come all the way back around <laughs> to what you know, you'd be happy with a rookie doing. He's doing that just because he can do it. And I think that Fisher Harris is getting into areas. Now, if you looked at individual statistics, you look at Payne Hash, you look at Adam Fenor Blake, but the biggest statistic that matters is winning grand finals. And I think Fisher Harris is getting into territories. If you said he was a top five front rower of the last 20 years of the NRL era, I think he's getting close to it. His record will be pretty close to second to none, won't it, by the time his career rounds out. And it's a great point you made. And it goes back to my, what I mentioned about Cam Munster before and also about Tony Staggs, mm. where they get up for big games. It's why they're champions. The softer games, they tend not to. Fisher Harris doesn't matter who he's playing, where he's doesn't playing, matter. when he's playing. And treats who, it the exact same. And who's that? That's Webke. That's what Webke used to do. He could be in a grand final <coughs> with a fucking broken arm or playing fucking, you know, Rabbitohs when they just come back in the comp. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he's taking the same hit up off the back fence, whether it's the Rabbitohs struggling or a grand final. And I think Fisher Harris, you know, we speak about Leota a lot. He's, I love Leota. I think he's. I think he's probably the most underrated front row on the game. But I think Fisher Harris. He has the same curse as a lot of the the Kiwis or the Tonga Samoans. If he was, he would be a mainstay in that New South Wales. The, the front row for them for the last few years would be Payne Hass and Fisher Harris. If he was eligible for New South Wales, um, yeah, he never would have left it. He never would have left it. And if and if that was the case, we would be talking about him as a top five front rower of the NRL era. I honestly believe that. And durability. Like, what have we got? 13 games this year, played 20 last year, 20 and 20. Last three seasons, 20, 20, 20, and 24 back in 2019. For a front rower that plays big minutes and goes as hard as he does. It's so good. Yeah. So good. And so he's got two premierships. He's probably – so he's got two premierships, three minor premierships. He may get three premierships. How many premierships did Webke win? Four or three? Can you just put it up? But as I said, you stuck up his – I guess, um, you know, accolades. Mm. I think it stacks as nearly as well. It's like, I think Glenn Lazarus, he had three premierships at three different clubs, which is fucking amazing. Yep. But I think Fisher Harris is up there with the best. I really do. Yeah, Incredible. Yeah, so good. Like, you got it, Matty? Yeah, he had four, including Super League. So four, including Super League. Yep. So he may have four by the end of his career. He really might have four. So I, as I said, I, I think he's incredible. He's done it on the international stage too. He's done it for the Kiwis. Um, I'm such a fan of Fisher Harris. And to think that, I'm pretty sure he started on the edge. He started his career, like an edge front row, uh, edge back row, sorry. Um, outside of that with the, uh, the Panthers, just like, you know, Luai, three try assists, you know, amazing stuff. Um, Cleary, clinical as always. Lindsay Smith, geez, he's developing, isn't he? 
that line break that he made, the big fella, <laughs> just steaming onto it. Um, but the Panthers, like, they look like – they almost look like they're still in second or third gear. They look like they have another two or three gears in them. Yeah. I don't want to go on about <clears throat> Peachy too much on his resurgence this season because we've spoken about that. But I do want to touch on the fact that Ivan has shown that he only seemingly really wants to play Sonny Luke for mm. – like the last two weeks, he's played twelve and fifteen minutes. Yeah, he only seems sees him or wants him as a seemingly wants him as a ten to twenty minute bench player. If you're going to do, and even when he does that, a lot of the time Mitch Kenny will go to lock and take up some minutes there. So minutes aren't an issue or fitness for Mitch Kenny. At what point do you just go? Let's put Peachy to fourteen. Mm. He can give Mitch Kenny that spell at nine for fifteen minutes if he wants to, and also cover. Every position on the field. Yeah, pretty much. Now, I know they've got Jamin Salmon there who didn't play on the weekend. I don't know if he was dropped or what happened. I, believe, I don't think he was picked in the squad just on – they've sat him out. But if you also don't need to carry Jamin Salmon. If you've got Peachy, then you can cover every position. Mm. Seems mm. like, as far as squad balance goes, mm. what do you reckon? Yeah, I don't, I don't mind it at all. I really don't mind it. See, the Sonny Luke situation is really interesting. <coughs> I, I wonder whether, you know, has he – is it defensively he doesn't trust Sonny? Because uh, like, you'd think in attack, or maybe he's just struggling to gel with Cleary. I, I think he's struggling to gel. Yeah. You see him go out there and they just got there on a different page. You know, he's played a, spent a bit of time with him there, obviously, this season, and he obviously spent time at training, but still in quite limited minutes mm. each week. He's such a different hooker to what Mitch Kenny is. Mitch Kenny's obviously their, their priority choice. Just hasn't clicked with Luai yeah. and, and Cleary. Not to say it can't, mm. but as it stands, they, they've clearly opted to go against playing Sonny too many minutes. And if he was going like a 50-30 split with Kenny and bringing an impact on like that, well, then it'd be a different story. But if he's going to play him 10, 15 minutes, why not just run Peachy as your yeah. utility? Um, yeah, the Penrith Panthers, they're really making the, you know their home stadium a genuine fortress. Mm. Like It does not look like a happy place to play for oppositions. And they've got... Most, a lot of games back. I think it's like four of the last six yeah. there. Mate, they are so set up for another premiership. Like It is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Glenn, like, Lazarus, Glenn Lazarus won five. Five. Far out. Far out. That's ridiculous. That's why I think that he's probably the out-and-out -out goat in regards to like... You know, the only stat that matters. And he did it at multiple clubs. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, and he and played 89, 90, 91, 92, 93, all grand finals. Far out. Yeah. Over two clubs. So I, I reckon I reckon if you said to me Fish Harris of the NRL era, he's like a top five front rower, I, I wouldn't be like, it's a definite. But I, I don't think it's that far-fetched. I really don't. And I, I think he is cursed by the fact that he doesn't play Origin, that he doesn't get as much hype as he deserves. Feel like, like Hargraves. Like, he's won three. Kiwi. Yeah. Yeah, he's another guy. Could you imagine if he was playing Origin? Exactly right, like, yeah. If you don't play Origin, it's really hard to get the same rub that the Origin front rowers get. Uh, imagine how strong New South Wales would be if they had Fisher Harrison. Fucking Fanil Blake. <laughs> and then had, what, Haas come off the bench, Fanil Blake come off the bench. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, anyway... Uh, just quickly on the Bulldogs, before we get off it, Gerald Skelton. Mm. Oh, talk about exciting. That try he scored was a joke. A joke of a try, but it's not just the try. 22 runs, 197 metres, 69 post-contact, nine tackle breaks, a line break, five tackles, only one missed. They have a genuine superstar on their wing. Yeah. It'll, it'll be, again, rounding the edges, won't it? Yeah. Obviously, rugby union background, get it up. And that, 
so it's the, the very small, not small, it's a genuine silver lining to all these injuries. They're getting blokes like Blake Wilson, Curtis Moran, Jarrell Skelton, getting minutes under their belt in the top grade. What that's going to do for their depth for the next couple of years can't be understated. And Jarrell at the forefront of it, who even with injuries early, he could not crack the squad. Mm. He's taking the opportunity with both hands, hasn't he? Mate, his upside is genuinely scary. Like, the fact that he can do this in his first two games, run for 190, 200 metres, and then that try that he scored, jeez, he can be a weapon for them. Like, imagine him and Fox on either side playing good footy. Real uh, real early Marju vibes about him. Big, right. strong winger, a few defensive issues, but under the right coaching, sort that out. <sighs> Big future. Super exciting. I just cannot wait to see him with another preseason under his belt. More rugby league under his belt um, because it is going to be something special. I, I think that as long as Bulldogs, you know, turn things around and head on the up, I think that we could be looking at one of the better wingers in the comp uh, in a few years' time. Now let's get to Manly defeating the Sharks. Oh wow, where to start on this game? Oh, um, look, I, I hate to be too critical, but the refing, unfortunately, and the refing for both sides. I just, what I don't get, and I just, I'm not, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. <laughs> not the sharpest tool in the shed. But when I just think of stuff logically, what I don't get is like, how can the Sharks go from so ill-disciplined, they give away like nine penalties in the first half to like squeaky clean best team in the comp? How can Manly go from squeaky team, squeaky like- Squeaky team. Squeaky team. <laughs> squeaky clean team in the first half <laughs> And squeaky fucking bad team in the second half. Need some oil on that shit. On the hinges. Get the WD-40 out. Get the W out. too squeaky. Fucking too squeaky. Um, I just... That, surely not. Like, how is that possible? Tell me how that, that, can, that flip can happen so quickly. There are some Barry's. They... 27... Was it 27? Let's, let's get the fucking penalties out. In the and game. In the game. So yeah, yeah, did not want to let the game flow. 11-9, so 20 uh, penalties, then five, uh, five ruck infringements and um, one inside the 10 metres. So you're looking at 26 penalties. And I know they like try to not include the six again as a oh, penalty. It's a penalty. I know, and it's just... Even without the six agains, that's still 20 legit penalties. Let the game flow. And, and, and they'd argue that, oh, there was infringements and they should have been penalties, and maybe so. But as long as you're fair to both sides and you give a bit of leeway, it makes for a better product, better to view, better for, for, the, for everything. Like well, that's 20, 26 penalties, 20, 20 penalties. Well, when you look at that, I'm pretty sure what I don't understand is every <clears> year we get to origin and there's no penalties, barely any penalties. Like I think this year it took two games to get to 20 penalties. Two games to get to 20 penalties, so not even 26. So what I don't get is, like, why don't we ref NRL games like that? Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, let, let it flow. Let it flow. Let them sort it out. And if they don't sort it out, that's when you step in. Yeah. Like, if one team – I've said it week in, week out this year. If one team is taking some metres and, and uh, rushing up out of line, give, give the other team – at least early in the game, give the other team the opportunity to go, oh, okay, so this is where we're at. Now, if it's later in the game and they both haven't learned, boom, you call a penalty yeah. and you, you pull her in. I just, I, th I think that last week is a perfect example where if you're calling a penalty for holding down in the first set, 
You are trying to dictate the game. The holding down ones are the killers, aren't they? They call them so often now. Mate, seriously, like let it flow. Like they're just looking for reasons to blow penalties rather than for looking. We normally uh, say this about try scorers. Like they look for reasons not to give try. They're looking for reasons to give penalties rather than looking for reasons to let the game flow. It's just like, come on. I just what I don't get is how can you give a penalty in the first set of the game? Because it hasn't. The game hasn't even been set up yet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because like then the argument would be like, well, it was a it was an infraction of the rules, mate. You could find infractions of the rules every set if you if you wanted yeah. to, but you don't, do you? Because there is but part of you that allows flow of the game. That's to it. And like the other one that I feel like, and I don't know how the stats add up to other years, but just um, offside line speed penalties. I feel like they're calling it every second set. It's like if you're standing in the line, but like you and I'd be in this position. Mm. Your beaks in front of the ref. <laughs> they call you offside for your beak being yeah, in front. Like a beak penalty. Oh, like. Every single set. Mate, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, as I said, if, if you're, they're going set for set and you're noticing one team is not responding to whatever the other team is doing, step in and call the penalty yeah. and give it. Um, but anyway, so look, Sharks weren't robbed because they oh, robbed no. themselves. They robbed themselves. They didn't deserve to win the game. No. But, okay. Someone please explain to me because I, I must be – the dumbest bloke ever. And that wouldn't surprise me. Hey, I've been wrong <laughs> plenty of times before. Hot but, field. <laughs> yeah, it's a hot field. Got plenty of times been an actual leader. Okay. This is the new rule that they put in. They put it in. They put it in this year. Grounding the ball. Trials will be awarded if the ball rotates from the hand to wrist or forearm, provided there is no obvious separation between the ball and the hand or arm. Did anyone see separation between Mulatalo and that ball as it went over the line? Firstly, that is a ridiculous rule. Yeah, I don't like it either. Secondly, uh, absolutely, there was no separation. It was a try. Under that under that, That's what there. I mean. It's yeah. their rule. They put it in. But you know why it wasn't a try? Because for 100 years, that's not a try. Because yeah, it never should be it a try. It never should be a try. And so even their own rules, they're getting wrong. Like, they put this in this year and they just went... And what did they say? They, they said separation or something. I, I was listening and I, I need to go back and listen oh, to it. So I don't want to put words in their mouth. But I, I thought they said the word separation or had lost control. or I don't, I, I'm sure the word was separation. The, the, in, the way in, I remember it, and I could be wrong, but I think it was the separation from the hand, which there was, but because it rolled to the wrist, according to that stupid rule, it's a try. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's what I think it was. Anyway. So it's just an example of like... We just refing this year, unfortunately, just hasn't been there. Then, like the high end situation with the touchy, like you know, it was a really poor call. But like, what I'm not getting is all he said was that's three. Mm. Like, you're not allowed to say that. Like, I don't, or you're just not allowed to talk touches at all. Is that the rule? Yeah, well, without being on the sideline or next to the referee, and Nico listen to it. I don't want to say much about because I don't know how about well, it. I think how it all he's, he's been out. completely cleared. Yeah, yeah, he didn't get he didn't get that, touched. <laughs> Poor old Nico. Like, and and if he's been cleared, then there's nothing in it. There you go. Um, mm. Oh, that I, you just felt his frustration. Yeah, he's just know. frustrated. They're chasing the game. That was a peach of a ball. It wasn't even close to being forward. Not even close. Oh. It went back out of the hands, and I think it landed yeah, back as well. Yeah. And so, look, if the rule is that you're not allowed to speak to touchies, fair enough. Yeah. Like, you're just not allowed to say anything. Fair enough. But the reaction from the ref, it was like he swore at her or something. And he's been cleared, so he clearly did. Because yeah. if he swore at her, fucking see. If he had a sworn at her, 100%. Give him three to four weeks, whatever you want. 
But I don't know. A bit harsh when you all you're doing is like that's three. Like it's rugby league. You're gonna you're gonna talk to the touchy sometime. Like I remember when I was a winger, sometimes I'd be like, you know, offside. Like anyway, I thought that was a bit overboard. From uh, anyway, whatever. Um, let's get to the game. <laughs> you know what's so funny about this game is they both played exactly the way <laughs> they've been playing all year. If you wanted to encapsulate manly season and shark season mm. in one season, uh, in one game, that was it. Manly played like a top eight side for the first half. World beaters. These guys will fucking take it to anyone. Come out second second half, just completely inconsistent, not even close to it. Sharkies, uh, like just defense is just completely all over shot up on the left side. Um, couldn't stop a try to save their lives. But then second half came out and attacked the, the house down. One of the most bizarre things I have ever seen, there was a strong breeze in this game, really strong wind. And for anyone who doesn't know a heap about footy out there, strong breezes can, like they say, oh, it's a 10-point breeze or it's a 16-point breeze where, yeah. like, it's that big an advantage that you should be up. Like, you're starting with a 16-point like, yeah, everything. everything. 50 of 56 points were scored against that breeze, that is so which weird. is mind-blowing. That is so weird. So weird. Um, okay, talk about Sharks first. Uh, look, I hate to be too critical uh, of uh, a rookie. So I don't think he should be just like, you know, dropped. But Jesse Colloquin, Colloquin, mm. um, I just think watching him, he, look, he worked hard in regards to he got through a bunch of work. And I don't think you should never just bring a rookie in and drop him straight away. But there were a few moments where, like, for example, the try where Saab flicks back in. Like he, he just clocked off and you just can't in NRL. Then there another try where he didn't really get off the line from dummy half and they hit short, I think, on Trindle. Really needed to help Trindle there. I, oh. It's a tough one, wasn't it? Because they've, they've brought in a rookie to do Mission Impossible, the worst, yeah. I would argue, defensive edge in the competition. And then they bring him in to play on the edge. They had Wade Graham and Sifa Talakai, who were the logical replacements there. Wade Graham was injured. And Cifar, well, I don't Graham know. got rested, didn't he? Yeah, they said there was a toe injury. Oh, okay. So you don't yeah. know if it's dropped, rested, whatever it might be. But they look like the logical replacements come in and they went with yeah, Colquhoun. He's now been, I think, suspended for a week. So one of these two is going to have to come back in. But it was, yeah, it was a tough initiation. Well, I was going to say, like, I think he deserves more of an opportunity. The problem is, is they're not in a position to be giving that time. So, as I said, it's not about him specifically. Because very tough gig, coming in your first role. But as I said, like when, when Sub offloaded that ball back in, he should have he been, as he caught it, I think it was Cooler. Was it Cooler that caught it? He should have been on him straight away. Yeah. And he wasn't there. He was yeah. clocking off. And look, it's easy for me to say, I'm sitting on my couch eating chips. He's working his dick off. But Loving it's it just well. little things. Yeah. And then the other one where he didn't get off the line. So I just, look, I think if, if they can't work it out, you know, this year, like let's say he comes back and he goes really well, great. Keep him there, earn the right. I definitely think he deserves another opportunity. But if they can't work it out this year, I think they need to go into market for another an edge back rower. That's a fucking gun defender, especially if they want to persist with Moylan, because if they want to do that, they need a gun defender inside him. Well, even Trindle, I think that even Trindle there, he's a good defender, but it all starts with your four in. Yeah releasing you and it, like for like when you go back and rewatch the trindle try or the try that they i think they hit short and trindle if couchman now i know he's a big boy so it's very hard to get off the line but if he had have released trindle earlier and gotten straight to his man it would have given trindle more time to just head straight at his man and, and be able to make the contact mm. 
far away from the line so he didn't go over. I know, I know he's in the twilight of his career and it's far from ideal, but sure you just throw Wado in there and just say, mate, he's one of the best defensive edges to play the game. Mm. Not saying he is now, but we know he's got it in him. Can he be the man to tie down that left edge? Yeah, at least verbally, because it's not even about the physicality. As I said, like Jesse, he worked his ass off. Like he, he had, he, uh, he, oh my God, go across you. Jesus Christ. Anyway, he had, he had 43 tackles, I'm pretty sure. Um, had a few runs. And as I said, I feel really harsh on the young fellow. I, I don't want to, you know, uh, he deserves another chance. Really unfair for him to just get thrown in the deep end against Daly Cherry Evans. We're not talking about some average seven. We're talking about seven that tears origin teams apart, let alone, you know, a team struggling to make the eight or may struggle to make the eight. But yeah, he had 12 runs, 86 metres. Yeah, good, good knock. Two tackle breaks, great. 43 tackles, only two misses. Um, I just think that, oh, was it a bit too much to ask of a rookie? Freaking oath it was, yeah. yeah. So I hope he gets another crack. But if, if it doesn't work out this year, I think they need to find another edge back rower to really shore that edge up. Yep. Because it is, it is truly, if there's, ever, if there's a team with an Achilles heel, oh Granola God. Sharks. Well... For a period there, a lot of people, myself included, had them as title contenders because of how good their attack was, thinking they could get that defence sorted out, that edge, but it hasn't. That edge defensively has cost them, I think, any chance at winning a comp. Yeah. Because they've got, in attack, they can match it with the best. Yeah. Uh, right edge defensively, solid enough, but the left edge defensively, one aspect of their game is going to cost them this year. Yeah. Um, another tough, like I thought Will Kennedy actually had a you know pretty good, especially second half, but that last try where he went for himself instead of spinning it yeah. out the edge i was so surprised yeah. he did that because that's that's everything that he isn't yeah in regards to like he's the most selfless fullback there is always feeding his outside backs just a bit of a just a wrong decision you know obviously he didn't mean to fucking not score the try he just thought that of was course, the best yeah. way but that was tough um well good on the sharkies for fighting and you know fighting to get back in the contest but that left side defense just Ooh. needs a complete overhaul Send in regards to systems Send an SOS to Blake Ashford and Luke Cavell to come back and just tie it down. Pomeroy, get him out at centre. Get Pomeroy. big Pomeroy. Get Pomeroy and his knee-length uh, skins in to, to do the job because you know he will. Yeah, bloody oath he will. I mean, even even guys that had the best seasons of their career, Nikola, he had a quite not the best day. So just yeah, I'm I'm a bit con I'm worried about the Sharkies. I'd hate for them to miss the eight. Again, we talk about taking 10 steps forward. Could you imagine if they go all the way to outside the eight? And I'd also love to see him, what they've got week one of finals, if oh. they can get a bit of defensive, because they've got it in and we know oh. they do. There's so much ability in that side. It's so good to watch. That yeah. second half was so exciting. Yeah. yeah. So exciting. I'd love to see... I don't know if Blake Braley understates his running game. He's very... His service is so crisp and it's clearly... like It's the, it's the Sharkies' game plan. They're expansive. They use the ball. They sling it wide early, and, and it's his job. Give early, give early, give early. But just like seeing him take the line on a bit more. Because yeah. I do think they – the Sharkies team do it every week. But they they're so they back their attack so much, which is great, that they do often just go side to side. Yeah. You've yeah. got a good pack. You can win the middle. Mm. Um, I think if he starts running a bit more, can just straighten him up a bit, and I'd, I'd like to see him take it on the line more. Would you – what about – would you consider Ken McInnes on edge? I think Guru said it last week. I honestly, like when I look at Cotter and what he did for mm. Origin, I go, you know what? Maybe. Because like, put it this way. If you put Ken McInnes there, he can get line speed. 
He can communicate. He's a great communicator. And that's, that's what all the four needs to do is to get you yeah. up off the line and just say, I'm on this man. And that just completely takes the thought process out for everyone outside him. Whereas I just, I think putting a rookie there, as I said, he, he worked his ass off, but very tough ass for a young Well, I'll tell you, I'm yeah, thinking that loud here, but you could potentially, could you defend him on the edge and then say attack, defend Seifer in the middle and then attack Seifer on the edge where he can do his line running, get him to mm. one-on-ones, bustling. Because well, I don't love the idea of McInnes on the edge in attack, but in defence... Sure, mm. why not? Yeah. And I just want to be really clear, like, I'm not having a crack at Jesse Colokan as in he played terribly or whatever. No. I just think he got put in a yeah. – like, he's a rookie going up against DC. I think I – I know Fitzy has a lot of love and trust in his players, but I think maybe just asking a little bit too much of him. It was, a, it, was a, it was a time to go to experience, not rookie. I think so. Not, not a Hail Mary rookie player. Yeah, I, I think so. He said I maybe McInnes was the option. If Wade Graham was injured, right, right well, him Well, Talakai off, even. Like, even Talakai. Yeah. He's been there and done it. He's yeah. been there and done it. And you just say, Talakai, mate, I need you communicating yeah. all game long. But I definitely hope we see Jesse back because I think you look at his physique, his size. Oh, he'll be good. I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be good. Now, onto the Seagulls. Um, look, they needed this win desperately. Absolutely needed this win. Great first half. DC was outstanding. Olakawatu outstanding. Um, I thought Schuster showed moments of, um, you know, taking the ball to the line, defending with getting his body in front. Mm. I think he, Britton Nikora, Nikora made a, um, an error from a Josh Schuster tackle. So that's good to see. Um, I thought uh, Kola was great. I thought Saab was really good too. Like he's too... The line break he made for that cutout pass back inside to try, and then his flick pass, like, that's bloody. It, it won't get, you know, in the highlight of wingers over the weekend, you won't hear about it much. They're two huge plays, huge plays. The whole right edge were humming. And, I mean, the Sharkies left edge defence, they made them look good, but you can only beat what's in front of you. Daly Cherry Evans essentially won this between the years. Fuck. He was just pulling the strings, picked them apart. Any little laps they had or any weakness DCE would just zeroed in on mm. pulled them apart <clears throat> it was brilliant it was beautiful he did kind of what he did 2022 where just lent on every bit of experience he has yeah. of just knowing how a footy team works knowing how defensive team works and just going weakness there weakness there i'm just going to go at his all day long and when you think it's over i'm going to come again Get it all day. He's getting better and better. It's crazy. They did this without Taniela Paseca as well, who went down a couple of minutes into the game. And uh, another player went off injured as well. Alloway, Josh Alloway. Josh Alloway. Josh Alloway and Jake Chaboyevich. And when Jake Chaboyevich went off, that 10-minute period, the Sharks scored three tries. Yeah. They're up 30 to 8 mm. when, when Gerbo went off. Now, I get more appreciation for Jake Chaboyevich every time I watch Manly slash the Blues play. Mm. The Just results yeah. come with Jake Chaboyevich being on the field. The only knock is, geez, he gave away a lot of penalties. It's yeah. only not but i'll take that any day of the bloody week any day of the week um so i, I, the, I the manly situation i even though they nearly lost it i thought they showed a lot of grit and that's what we've been asking for them over the last few weeks we just want to see that forward pack just so fucking grit and just hanging a game mm. i thought lodge was really good off the bench really good off the bench um yeah. you know we'll see how that all pans out in the future but when it comes to on-field performances he was great he was exactly yeah. what they needed it was great. Lockie Croker had a stormer oh, try, tries his 40-20. The gift that keeps on giving. So with Manly, last week I said I was I'm a bit concerned about the future. 
if I'm being honest, I still am a little bit concerned about the direction of where they're headed. But they responded, responded well. I just need to see them respond a few more weeks in a row. Mm. If I can see this for the next two to three weeks, then I'll go, okay, no, I can definitely see a direction here. Because they looked like they played with a bit of identity on the weekend. Like, you know, Kyler was outstanding. They were getting certain points. And just that grit. They didn't. At no point did I feel when they lost Paseca, Aloye and Travojevic, did I feel that forward pack go, oh, okay, you know, oh, well. Even though, you know, the, the Sharkies came back into it, they did get an avalanche of penalties, you know, so. Yeah. They uh, run home, Dragons this week, if they're serious about, they're a point out of the eight. If they're serious about making the eight, they win that. Roosters, very winnable. They then go Penrith and Warriors. That'll mm. be the decisive games for them. Uh, they finish with the Doggies and Tigers, so... The draw's there that if they're good enough, they can make it. I don't think they will, but... Yeah. No, they put themselves in a position to do it. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see how they go. Now let's to tips. Brought to you by Sportsbet, the best in the business. Broncos, $1.36. Roosters, three seventeen. What are we going? Broncos. Brisbane. Broncos. Tigers, $9.30. Rabbitohs, $1.06. Tigers. <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> Uh, Bunnies, you'd hate to be the Tigers in this South. one. Bunnies playing for the eight, yeah. I think Rabbitohs are going to fucking come out super yeah, angry. Yeah. So Bunnies, Storm, $1.40, Eels, two ninety eight. Mm. I think there's a bit of value on the Eels, mm. to be honest. There absolutely is, yeah. I- I'm going to go the Storm uh, just because no Dylan Brown still. Uh, and Sean Lane's also going to be out for a bit as well. So, yeah, Storm. Yeah, Storm for me too. Oh. I'm going to go Storm, but I would love to know what the margin is. Or the eels, mm. um, but yeah, storm. You've got the uh, you've got the eels at the line. Yeah, I reckon the line's seven and a half. Oh, I don't go. mind that. I don't mind that. Okay, dollar uh, sixty two Raiders Knights two thirty one. I'm going the Raiders, but again, serious value there for the Knights. I'm gonna go Newcastle. Yeah. You're going Knights. I'm going Knights. I, I mate, I loved what they did last week. They're they're pretty big outsiders for the form that they're they're in. Uh, St- uh, Dragons two sixty six, Seagulls dollar forty eight. Seagulls, I want to go Dragons. I'm going Manly. I'm actually surprised the Dragons at two sixty six. I thought they'd be a bit further, maybe three bucks. Anyway, Panthers dollar fourteen, Sharkies uh, five seventy five. Panthers, 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 Doggies two forty four, Dolphins dollar fifty six. I don't mind Ooh. the doggies here. Tin Bundaberg. Ooh, okay. Uh, I'm going to go the Dolphins just off the bye, a bit fresher. Yep, Dolphins. Yeah, Dolphins. Titans, 3.12. Cowboys, $1.37. Uh, going Cowboys. If this was before last game, I would have been like, a little bit of value there, but no, nah, definitely yeah. Cowboys. Yeah, I'm going Cowboys. That is us done and dusted, and as usual, I'll go and fuck myself. Thank you. What's gambling really costing you? For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au.